Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Bill Byrne. It's time for the Thursday afternoon, just before Friday, Monday morning podcast. And I'm just checking in on you. Checking in to see how your week is going. Because I'm that kind of person. A big Hollywood phony. Because I don't give a fuck, really. How you? I mean, I hope you're having a good time. I just hope you're healthy enough to make it to my shows in Reno in San Jose this weekend. There you go. That's the honest thing. And um, speaking of honesty... I have an amazing guest here this week um, for the Thursday afternoon, just before Friday, Monday morning podcast, who I got to know through um, this guy that I forget his name, but he had a sweater draped over his shoulders, <laughs> like, you know, like the coming of age dick in the, in the 80s <laughs> movies, um, who let us know about this amazing young director, writer, and all of that. We have the wonderful uh, Tyler Falbo. Welcome. Thank you. Who was on, on the podcast. We did a show called Immoral Compass, uh, which is going to be debuting November 3rd? 5th. 5th on Roku. Roku? Roku, yes. You got to get this. I'm telling you, this kid is a beast. He's soft-spoken. He's <laughs> humble. This is his second podcast ever. He's going to be, oh, you know, I don't know what I'm doing here. You know what you're doing. Tyler. So great. I mean, how long have we been? We, we pitched the show. We got it on Quibi. Oh, God. Yeah, that was, we pitched it like 2019. Yes. Got it. Quibi wanted it. And then. Pre-pandemic, we pitched this thing. Yeah. And then we were supposed to shoot it in March of 2020. Mm-hmm. And then pandemic. That's and, right. Yep. And then that happened. And then yep. the pandemic happened. And then that. And then Quibi came out. After the pandemic start. Great Sorry. timing. Yes, and it did poorly. <laughs> <laughs> and then they luckily said, okay, we'll go shoot your show in September. And we did. And then in October, Quibi said, well, we're shutting down. Yeah, and then it ended. And then it we just be- didn't get going. And you know what's <laughs> funny was a lot of places, I think, during the pandemic, um, like streaming and everything, because people were just home, they were binge watching stuff, and I just think for some reason they were the new kids on the block. I think they needed people to be out to see the billboards. I don't know, not like you yeah. can't advertise. I don't know what happened. So the friggin' show goes away. I was devastated because I actually do. Uh, I have a little part on this thing, um, playing sort of a guy who peaked in the early <laughs> '90s. Which, if you've really taken the details. Of how the wardrobe and hair and makeup, how they just absolutely crushed it. Um, I basically do I would, like a wraparound thing. And to describe what the show is, it's basically um, Tyler makes these really short, dark, 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 major left turn short films that all have like a theme like jealousy, envy, uh, empathy or something, whatever. And it's all built around, um, I just love about each one of them. It's like there comes that everybody's sort of normal when they start and there's either an event or a decision and someone, there's a fork in the road and someone can veer left or they veer right. And your characters always veer <laughs> in the direction of excitement, we'll say. You know, I was thinking uh, about, because, you know, we talked about how like, you know, it was great that you're involved in the show because there is some, some kind of weird similarity between your comedy and, and this show, and it's so different because your comedy is definitely way different than the show, but I think I found out like the specific thing that reminded me of it. Adam Lowe, our sh- uh, showrunner, uh, reminded me of the clip from your special, the black and white one, um, where you were doing the bit about the guy in the helicopter. 
Yes. Yes. And <laughs> and what was so funny about that bit uh, was not just what happened, but you're describing the pilot sitting there, what's going through his head when he's watching a guy jump out to commit suicide. Yeah, just to let people know, there was a guy who wanted to commit suicide and he had decided to do it by getting a helicopter ride. <laughs> you know, I love the rock star way the guy went out, but also did he need to drag this guy into it? So this guy actually flew with the guy that flew that guy that jumped out and he never brought it up, <laughs> which makes him even more badass. And from what I heard, the, the story was the guy just kept asking if he could fly higher. Can you go a little higher? Can oh this thing go a little God. higher? And because of where they were, there was an airspace above him, probably, you know, LAX, he couldn't go into it. So the guy just like opened the door and un undid his seatbelt and then opened the door and the pilot tried to grab him. Now, when you fly a helicopter, you can't take your hands off the controls, <laughs> you know, especially yeah. if it's a Robinson. Um, or you're going to start descending immediately. But he grabbed the guy and the guy hit him, hit the pilot. And then the pilot was just like, all right, fuck it, man. I'm not dying too. <laughs> and the, the dude jumped out and... Uh, Landed in the water, did not die at first, and then and that's and then yeah, I did a bit on that. Which I think that would be a moral conundrum in the show is if you're the pilot, you know, what do you do here? Do you try and save this guy or or save your life? And then the twist at the end that happened in your story would probably happen in the show too, where the guy survived. Yeah, <laughs> he lived for a minute. And your in your show, the guy would have lived, lived. But uh, no, absolutely, dude. If you're flying and someone starts punching you in the head because they want to jump out, it's like, all right, jump out. <laughs> I wish you wouldn't do that, but uh, I'm feeling good about life and still being alive and everything. So, how did you? Um, how did you like? I don't know how long you've been making the like making films, and when you started out. Because I, I start when I started out stand up, I was like totally clean and I didn't want to offend anybody because yeah. I'd been just getting screamed at my whole life. So I was really on like my heels and I didn't want to piss off the headliner and I wanted club owners. Well, here's a nice wholesome <laughs> act that's not going to you know put any ripples in the water. Did you for you right from the gate? Were you the sort of dark or no? I mean, I, I bet you could guess this, but I came from like a religious background, like in Florida, like very opposite of what this is. Oh, no. But yeah, I know. I'm from Jacksonville, Florida. Have they seen your films? Yeah. And I think that's, I kind of like, you know, like when my grandmother would watch my shorts, like when it hit the punchline, she would just kind of like shake her head and look down. I feel like that's what <laughs> inspired me. That was your litmus test. Like, All right, I'm on to something. Yeah, exactly. This is funny. And yeah, in high school... You know, I always wanted to make, like, serious movies. Like, growing up, I just loved, like, the Coen brothers and, uh, oh, they make some comedy, a bunch of comedies, too, and, like, right. Paul Thomas Anderson movies. And I always wanted to make, like, that kind of stuff. But whenever I was coming up with ideas, I would always, like, figure out some weird fucked up direction it would go in. And it would not be what I wanted to do, but it just naturally always happened that way. And I just was like, oh, I should lean into this. This is better than what I was going to make anyway. But what I liked is I couldn't guess the ending it was always just like somebody did something and, uh, or you know, I kind of, you put yourself in, in the place of the character a lot where you're just going like, all right, what would I, if I, if I just did that, would I fess up to it? Would I yeah. try to get out of it? And um, I can't stress enough. I, I just hope people, you know, are going to flock to this thing because the casting that we got on this, you have one where I think these two guys should do a movie just the way they look together <laughs> on screen. We have one, of the short films that stars Vince Vaughn and Bobby Lee and just seeing the two of them together. They're both like genius comedic actors yeah. 
And one guy's what's Vince six he, five? Six he's, five. He's like Bo- your height. And yeah, and then Bobby's like five, what six or seven? I hope five I'm getting, two. I'm, no, no, he's got to be tall. <laughs> no, but I mean, for me, that was like you know that's part of the um, this. I don't want to give anything away, but it is important that they were these size differences, and uh, and that was just like unbelievable that they were both willing to do that one. I was I had no idea I was going to get those guys like those like heavyweights. Yeah, I mean, I I. Well, you know what it is? There's so much, uh, you know, there's a lot of material out there, but I just don't think there's really great material. And what sold it was what you wrote, and then you had those those other ones, the guy helping his girlfriend move in and all oh, the yeah. stuff that happens in that one. This is going to be such a difficult show to talk about because he, those are all the surprises. I don't want to give it away, but like Al Madrigal's in one, Marilyn uh, Rice Cub's in another, uh, I host them. Sort of the uh, what were they what were they calling me the uh, oh they, they yeah in the interview the the downer Rod Sterling downer Rod Sterling yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll take which, that which I love that because that I mean that is the kind of thing we were going for is that like someone to bring the whole show together I mean you know it gets a little more involved as we go on but yeah like your character's point of view really drives everything in the show well if we do us if we were lucky enough to get another season of this uh, I have more ideas. Of where I want to take that guy. I, I have a couple ideas, too, because it's like that guy, we could go further with him. Or it's like, what if you're another guy? Like, just completely, like we go in a different direction. You, you do that same, it's the same purpose, but like, you're not Rick anymore. You're, you know, Steven. Who, you know what I like about that? Is that's like old school TV where by the time I came around and, and was attempting to act, like if you did a guest star on a show, you were done. Yeah. So you had to make sure that like, you know, there was a couple, I remember I, I booked something on Jag and my, my agent was just like, it's only like two lines, dude. And they're not going to bring you back. So like, so we waited out for a better part. I never got another, <laughs> I never got to wear the Navy whites. Right. So, but back in the day, like you, if you did a show and they liked you, you could come back a number of times. Like I've been binge watching, uh, the untouchables and the recently, uh, mm. passed away the late great ed asner mm. he was incredible and he did like three or four of those gavin mcleod did a couple lee marvin did two um there was a number they would you became like this this guy that they um they, they just believed in and it was just like you could be a you could be a character actor like and just keep doing different characters and, and then somewhere along the line um I guess it became kind of funny to people as they got educated to TV, like, you know, like, how can you keep bringing that guy back just because he's got a mustache? It's like, that guy was running a car wash, you know, uh, last season and this season he's, you know, he's shooting a machine gun. But I just think back then it wasn't, uh, everyone was just so, like, so psyched to have a TV, which I, you know, (laughs) if all of a sudden you could watch the radio, but um, I kind of like that idea. Did you watch, did you like uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Oh my God, are you kidding me? I mean, I love that movie. I actually own it on DVD. I, I got, <laughs> I, I don't own it. I got a screener, and I won't throw that out, even though my fucking TV doesn't recognize my DVD player. <laughs> so I'm, I got to get an external one. And I just, like, I, I, I could talk forever about that movie. I went to Tarantino's movie theater and watched it. Oh, me too. You know what? There's a very subtle thing in that movie that if you watch it like three times, you'll pick up on it. No one ever says hippie. It's always fucking hippie. <laughs> the whole movie is fucking hippies. And I just love, like, my whole life, the Manson family was so, like, uh, just propped up on this. 
oh my God, they were so demonic and they were terrifying. Like, oh my God, like who are, you know, I know what they did was terrifying. And he reduced them to just a bunch of lazy fucking white kids who didn't want to get jobs, <laughs> who actually were fans of movies and TV because, you know, they geek out when they meet Leonardo's character in the end. And they, he just reduced them to what they were, a bunch of dumb jerk-offs that did horrible fucking things to a, a wonderful industry that makes all this entertainment, you know, for people to watch. And uh, the cars in it, um, you know, Oh my God, yeah. Le- I think that was Leonardo's best performance. That little stammer that he had, oh and God. how he just hated himself. Like he did that. You could just see like um, how that probably drove him. You yeah. know, he probably got made fun of as a kid. He hated himself. That's the best part in my, in the movie to me. I mean, other than the ending, but uh, you know, his little arc of like not being able to get his lines right, and then coming back in this triumphant thing of him just doing the performance right. But that yeah. was the whole reason I brought it up was that. Uh, it, that movie kind of gate, you know, I'm way younger and I, I've seen old reruns of stuff, but like the whole world of, you know, guest spots on classic TV shows and they, they put him, they wanted to put him in the huge mustache and the beard. They didn't want him to look like, you know, Rick Dalton, who was right. famous from the other show. They don't, you know, the director's like, I don't want them to see you. Right. You know, so they put him in all this makeup and stuff, which is kind of what we kind of wanted to do with you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm I had a great time. Really great time doing that. And I'm, you know, dude, I'm really early on with like acting, learning how to do it. So each time I just approaching it like comedy, each time I try to get a little bit better, sometimes I try something and it doesn't work. You know, people make fun of me on the internet. I don't give a shit because <laughs> it's just like, okay, so I bombed that part of it bombed. But, you know, you just got to kind of keep moving forward. Oh, dude, that thing where Leonardo, when he's, he, he's not in it. Oh, when yeah. they're doing that take and they, he's trying to make those looks <laughs> and stuff. Like, and it's just like, I watched that and as much as I wanted to laugh, it actually was really embarrassing because I was like, I've done that. I fucking, <laughs> they didn't use the take, I hope. But like, you just get into that thing of like, I'm not in this, I'm not in this. Do something interesting, you know, and you make like some weird face or anything. Just the way that that whole thing was played and... um I still to this day, anytime I get on the 101 and that exit, every time I think of Brad Pitt driving that oh, white Cadillac God, down, yes. every single time. And um, so anyway, Roku, November 5th is this show. I'm just going to keep saying that. Um, oh, speaking of your look, uh, I never told you this. Like a couple of weeks ago, we had a little like meeting about the press stuff and the people that were doing the, the poster, they're doing like the Photoshop on the like key art and stuff. <laughs> they were like, so like, do you know like... You know, like Bill's hair, like, I don't know if it's a decision, but like, it doesn't look that good. Like, like it looks like bad hair plugs. They're like, do you, do you want us to Photoshop that? And I'm like, no, 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 that's what it's supposed to look like. Why so, would they think that they, I would do that? Like, they thought you'd be like self-conscious about look, like having the bad hair plugs. That- no, that was the thing. This guy, like, we did all these little things. I don't want to give too much, but we did all of these little things, these little nods. <laughs> And okay, we'll talk about the bad hair pucks. Well, what I, what I, because the, the, this photo will be like this will oh, be, be promoted, so All they'll right. know what you look like. Okay, so what I loved, you know, uh, the hair plugs from the '90s, those ones, uh, which weren't the original ones, because I know. I think Elton John got one of the original hair transplants, and his scalp is just all scarred up, like what, whatever the hell they did to him. But uh, after that, then they had those ones that I was everyone used to call ant legs. And for some reason, I don't know if it was super painful, there were so many people that I saw on the subway 
when I was in New York in the 90s. They would be sitting down and they would just get one row of them <laughs> and then they would grow them out and they would comb it back and it just, you could see like a dot where they put it in and it just sort of never faded or went away and it made like your eyes water. So um, I feel like when you see those things, which I, I actually feel like they went away like the tramp stamp, you know, now that you can... <laughs> get rid of a tattoo like you never see a tramp stamp plus the women who got them are you know of a certain age so maybe they don't show them <laughs> off but um i feel like all of those things went away but like this guy with like you know those hair plugs that yeah, the, the tribal tattoo in hair plugs right they, they look like that that's what people were worried that we act we did it on accident it's like no people looked like that yeah no they had that and then a lot of guys had that tribal tattoo a lot of, of that was a big white guy thing to get like he was somehow connected to uh you know uh, some new zealand you know, whatever that sick song is that they, they sing. You ever see that thing before they play rugby? Oh, yeah, where they do the dance, too. It's, whatever the hell that thing is. That's just like, all right, we're not winning this game. I, yeah, I can't tell if I would <laughs> This be, game is over. Like, my first instinct would be to laugh at it, but if I was standing there in front of those guys, I'd be terrified, I think. Oh, no, I would not be laughing. Those, those guys are like, yeah, that's beyond breaking. They, those guys would break your femur. Like, yeah. whatever the biggest bone, like, those guys just trying to tackle them. It's just like a bunch of fucking... Lawrence Taylor's and Earl Campbell's like <laughs> totally amped up and it's like regular season games too. So, um, anyway, do you, as, as just a, you know, out of curiosity for like, if this thing gets picked up, which I don't know why it wouldn't do. I mean, it really is. It's one of the most proud thing that I've been a part of that we've, we've produced here. Um, as far as like the TV shows, yeah, we've yeah, done you, guys, you guys were really instrumental in this ATC. Like that was huge, getting all the people involved, and that entire process was crucial. Yeah, what did we do? We just we, <laughs> we pitched the show. You made it, but I appreciate that. But if you do like a season two, do you have like ideas and all of that stuff? I've got a couple, and there's a couple from season one that like we couldn't do for budget reasons or whatever that. Uh, that maybe we now we can figure it out, but there's a there's definitely some stuff there that I'm excited to jump back into. And also, you know, we had a writers' room for the first one, so we would have another one. We had like I think about eight like great writers that were like pitching ideas. You know, we made this show has 20 sketches in it, and it doesn't seem like that many, but it it was a nightmare to to, to like get them all in this show. Oh, so you time. got some leftover tracks? We have a little bit, yeah, <laughs> we have a little bit. <laughs> All right, it's Headspace, everybody. You know, what the fuck just, what was that? Sally, somebody farted over there. All right, it's Headspace, everybody. Wouldn't it be great if there were a pocket-sized guide that helped you sleep, focus, act, and be better? I'm hearing all kinds of noise. Paul, will you stop fucking drinking, you slob? (laughs) Jesus Christ. Look at the guy. He's got, he looks like a fucking wide receiver. How many chains you got now? All right. All right. Yeah, it just hit mute, Paul. All right, it's Headspace, everybody. You know, wouldn't it be great if there were a pocket-sized guide that helped you sleep, focus, act, and be better? Well, there is. And if you have just 10 minutes, Headspace can change your life. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. Headspace is one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So, whatever the situation, Headspace really can help you feel better. Overwhelmed? Headspace has a three-minute SOS. I can't do it! The grocery store picking up the kids? You can just sit there breathing in your SUV. 
You can, <laughs> meditation for you. My heated seat is on too hot and I can't get it to go back down. Need some help falling asleep. Oh, God, she won't quit nagging me. Headspace has a wind-down session. Their members swear by. How to tune out your wife. They got it. No, I'm kidding. And for parents, Headspace has even morning meditations you can do with your kids so you don't put them in your car and drive them into a lake. And then blame a black guy. Remember that white chick who did that? The original Karen of the 2000s. Headspace's approach to mindfulness can reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. Headspace is backed by over 25 published studies. Not the ones that people are just talking shit about in the bar. These are actually published on its benefits. 600,000 five-star reviews, over 60 million downloads. 60 million Headspace fans can't be wrong. Headspace makes it easy for you to build a life-changing meditation practice with your mindfulness that works for you on your schedule anytime, anywhere. You deserve a happier You've, you, oh, sorry. you deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com slash burr. That's headspace.com slash burr for a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to Headspace, man. Headspace.com slash burr. Today, head, H-E-A-D, space, S-P-A-C-E, dot com, slash, burr, B-U-R-R, today. You know what would be great uh, is uh, there's got to be something in, like, the pandemic and everybody feeling like whatever side they're on, mask, getting vaxxed, no mask, not getting vaxxed, like, like, uh, everybody just thinks they're so fucking right. And there's really, like, an argument... You know, yeah. why would you trust big pharmaceutical companies? I mean, they started a, basically a fucking nationwide heroin epidemic and killed a bunch of people's kids. <laughs> a lot of, a lot, but I mean, yeah, like a lot of athletes, a lot of athletes became like heroin addicts because they were given a basically synthetic uh, heroin, right? And then you had, um, you know, and then the other side of not listening to doctors and listening to your friends or becoming your own yeah. sort of uh, lab technician. I'm going to go on WebMD and <laughs> diagnose myself with no fucking background. So I just figure both of those are kind of wide open. Um, yeah, I would like to come up with an idea that would make both sides angry. You know, it's like right. both sides, they're watching the sketch, they're like, wait, what? Like, what? Yeah, see, there you go. That's, that's, how I, that's what I do. <laughs> like when I go, you know, like last night I was making fun of... Uh, the way liberals trash blue, uh, red states. Yeah. I was down at Largo and I was just trashing them because um, I was talking about the tomahawk chop. Oh, and course. like, how can they do that? How can they keep doing that? It's just like, well, why would they show empathy when Northern whites have not shown empathy towards Southern whites <laughs> since we're still not over the Civil War, right? Um, whether we realize it or not, and the shit that we say, like, you know, if you're going to treat them like shit, then it just shit runs downhill. Uh, <laughs> so that was sort of the bit. <laughs> And, um, but then if I go to, uh, like, you know, red states, you know, I talk about their four wheelers and, you know, their buddy and whoever and blah, blah. I've seen both sides of that from you. I, I'm from Jacksonville and I think I went to a show like a long time ago in Jacksonville. Comedy zone. You were at that place? Yeah. My friend like is a, was a comic. My friend Forrest does, did stand up all, all the time there basically. And, uh, 
And Al Madrigal has some stories about that place too. Um, but I don't want to speak too much about that. But I oh, that saw, place was wild. You stayed. It was uh, one of those motels, it was like the Radisson attached or Ramada Inn, or I don't know what it yeah, was. Yeah, your but. door to your hotel room opens up to outside, which is so fucking terrifying. That is basically like, dude, you're on your own. Yeah, I I never did. I did stand up twice in my life because my friends did it. It's not for me, but I was around that whole like community and the whole like. If you want to be a comic, you have to pay to go to this class at the Comedy Zone that's run by the guy that runs the Comedy Zone. It's just like a scam. Like it, I felt like it was like a cult. Right. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, that that yeah that was uh, a result of the '80s <laughs> when the in the '80s like all of these people came through and as as it exploded, so many people. And by so many people, I mean like half a dozen or a dozen of them. <laughs> um became these big like sitcom stars and then they're you know a lot of guys got deals a lot of people got like you know it maybe got picked up and it went a few weeks but like they looked at everybody as though they were a potential tim allen roseanne seinfeld ray romano all of these guys that came through and then ended up being worth hundreds of millions of dollars and they wanted a piece of it so they would start these things dude like all of a sudden comedy club owners when i came in Comedy club owners wanted to start becoming managers. They wanted to manage you, and then they would sort of um, position you getting your spots. You know, if I sign with them, I'll get spots. Then you had to play the game of like, yeah, yeah, like, you know who I want to guide my career? A club owner. (laughs) Because who knows more about putting together a sitcom deal than a club owner, right? And it was just like, and I saw people like, get involved in like those relationships and then like the most awkward part was when they started getting heat and and the club owner started fucking up because they didn't know what they were doing and they're learning with your career by making mistakes when they had to walk away it was always fuck that guy or fuck that that woman she's never working at this club again that happened a lot when i was coming up yeah um yeah, no, it seems like a, like a weird pyramid scheme like thing that is now whatever. The point it's is, it's sort I, of normal. It's kind of what happens anytime there's money involved. Uh, people want to get everybody wants to start wetting their beak. At first, nobody gives a fuck. Then all of a sudden, it's like holy shit! You know, it's like when yeah. comics started doing like uh, podcasts. Nobody gave a fuck. Oh, it's a <laughs> stupid little promotional tool. Then all of a sudden, people started making money on it. And then all of a sudden, agencies are like, "We're going to start our own podcast network." And we're going to own 50% of your podcast. Like, that's what it is. <laughs> that, that also reminds me of the whole Quibi failure thing was that, you know, you were one of the, maybe the first comic ever to do a Netflix special, right? No. No? Um, I was one of the first that had one on Comedy Central that then went to Netflix because I used to hang in New York uh, with Joe DeRosa, you know, mm-hmm. back in the day, right? Um you know, before I moved out here, we used to hang out. And one of the things was he got Netflix. He had Netflix when you when they delivered movies. Yeah. And then he got it. He had it on his TV because he's like a huge, huge film guy. And we used to sit there and watch the stand-up specials. And they, at that point, just wanted anything that they could get on there. Yeah. And they had some fucking brutal, <laughs> brutally awful. Like, I don't even know where they got these Because <laughs> at that point, Netflix was the last option. Where now they're the first option. Like I remember yeah. when um, in the late 2000s being brought on stage at the improv and one of the things I said, you might have seen his special on Netflix and it would get an audible laugh. If you can fucking believe it, they would laugh because they were like, oh, I mean that fucking 
blockbuster Postmate thing. I mean, Postmates didn't exist, but like they, yeah. they were kind of considered like uh, like a joke, you know. So uh, well, you were well, you were definitely at the front of that, right? Yeah, and I, and then on, but beyond that, you were the one of the first to do a podcast. Like, I mean, you know, I, I, there's a bunch of guys at the beginning, but you were in early, you know, before this crazy podcast craze. You're in, and then I saw those things, and I'm like, oh, and we're going Quibi. This is the new. So the next uh, version. I know, like, I know. And I'm like, oh, perfect. And then, I know that happens, though, you know, because Bobby Kelly was the one who got me to do a podcast accidentally, and it was back when we were still on MySpace, and he was just like, dude, you know, dude, you just you call up this number, dude, you talk to your fans, it's a great way to promote yourself, dude. Check it. You get this, you flip that, boom, and he did the whole thing. So I was like, all right. So I started doing it that way, but Bobby also told me to get a mini disc player telling me that this is, and I still have it with the little T microphone and I have sets on it. I can't find the charger. <laughs> um, so, you know, you win some and you lose some when you're on like the forefront. And I thought, you know, you know, Quibi was, you know, had as good a shot as anything. And God knows that the people that they had over there, they had some heavy hitters, you know, that had done all of this other stuff. But um, anyway, I'm I'm so happy that, that people are going to see this show, dude, because I think you really are so unique and so talented and the way you put this thing together and um, the people that, you know, came on all and, and, and did did these little shorts with you all had the best time and were thrilled. And the trailer you made, like uh, I was showing it to people like, dude, this looks cinematic. <laughs> like I want to see this movie. So um, awesome. Yeah, so anyway, so uh, is there anything else you want to promote? We got ro- the number one thing is Immoral Compass is what it's called, everybody. November uh, 5th, November 5th uh, 2021, the day after the election. It was was yesterday, Big Tuesday, whatever the hell it was. Um, Super Tuesday. Yeah, Super Tuesday. You got to watch this thing because I have promoted so many things. And the, 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 the critic that you get interviewed by is just like, oh, yeah, so what was it like to work with so-and-so? What do you feel about your character? Do you like making movies or whatever? This one, both critics were like, oh my God, I was watching this thing and I was like, no way. Where the fuck is this going? Like there was an audible excitement from critics, which is, uh, you know. That's all we want. Yes, that's all you want. So um, I know, do you got anything else that you want to promote? All my eggs are in this basket. This is all I got. If it fails, I'm done. (laughs) Back to Jackson. Um, I keep. I've been wanting to ask you the whole time. We'll do one quick last one here. What uh, What religion were you brought up in? And at what point did you? I don't know if you've broken away. You know. You can assume correctly. <laughs> okay. Um, I think. Um, I, yeah, I'm not gonna. All right. So I was I'm not bought, asking you to trash it. I'm just. Yeah. Interested because I was raised Catholic. I got away from it, and now that I'm older. I'm feeling myself gravitating to wanting to believe in something, but it's yeah. hard. And not just to save my own ass. Well, we should do know? astrology. That's what everyone's doing now. That's the next. I know Hitler did astrology, one. and that's why he lost the war. <laughs> um, <coughs> I was... Uh, Dad, he got, he got stretched out. He, got, he was too thin, you know? Yeah, that was the issue. That had to have been it. Um, he was also a private. Was he? He was a private in the army, and then he started this group. You know what I mean? And then they uh, called the Nazis. I don't know if you... I like how I just said, started this group, like you've never heard of it. And then, so they had a, a private, a guy who never raised higher than a private, and he, he fucking uh, was now running your country, and he was into astrology. 
That's why he was like a player's coach. Believe it or not, a lot of people don't know. He was a player's coach where he got gassed in World War I, so he made sure all of their bunkers had a shower, that if he got gassed, you could shower yourself off. <laughs> you know? Oh, I imagine him more of a Belichick type. but he, And you would, right? Yeah. You would, but he actually cared about his methed up soldiers. Wow. wow. <laughs> as long uh, as they had blue eyes and blonde hair. I'm surprised no one's made him. well, I'm not surprised, but someone should make a movie just, it's about just his failed art career. It's just like that led to it. You know, it's like the whole movie is him trying to be an artist, and at the end, he just makes that turn. Yeah. And you're like, oh, no. That and sounds it, like one of your shorts. I used yeah. to do a bit about that. If somebody could just have encouraged him <laughs> and just kept him on the easel. Like, what, what, you know? I don't know. It's... It's true. I mean... Yeah, that's... Because uh, the Van Gogh movie, I don't... We don't have to go into that, but there's a Van Gogh movie that basically he was trashed his whole life. And he still went for it, mm-hmm. but man, if he just oh, people, had that, people didn't like his stuff his whole life. Oh man, it was it was really brutal. It was like the uh, there's a movie with Willem Dafoe that's really good called At Eternity's Gate, and it's kind of like about his life because he wasn't famous for painting at all until after he died. Like that happens with a lot of artists, but like that one, like there's like a scene where like a, he's like. He's like treated as like a, a freak, like a like mental issue. He thinks he's good at painting, but and he did have some mental. I know he yeah, was he, a big he, time booze hound. Yeah, he had a lot of issues actually. But he cut his ear off. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's that not. wasn't over a woman though. I heard he he pulled a, a blade on his roommate, and then he turned it on himself. I wonder what the real story is because there's like a bunch. He probably also- was shit face painting <laughs> and fell into his easel, and when it collapsed, it knocked <laughs> off his ear, and then. I think people who wanted to make, you know, who found his paintings, because I watched a documentary on uh, how they prop up that market and how there's, you know, like every single market, there's like five, four or five major players and they sort of move the needle and how they decide uh, what is worth something and what isn't and blah, 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 blah. I, I, you know, I'm not big, believe this is a shocker, not big in the art world, but (laughs) I actually really like his stuff. And when I was in, where is he from? Is it is it Holland or is it? Uh, I feel bad not seeing the movie, but it was in. He was in Spain for a lot of it, I think. It was and in Paris twice. Paris, yeah, but there's there's some museum, Denmark maybe. I yeah. was somewhere and I actually went and I saw his original work, like a lot of them. Yeah, and I, I really there was something about like I like looking at stuff that looks like stuff. Right. Like I get a little bit in a, that that Basquiat stuff. You, I, that's how you say his name. I, I look at it, and I, I kind of get it. It's, like, cool or whatever, but uh, I don't know. When it just starts being, like, it looks like a five-year-old just did it, <laughs> it's like, all right, am I supposed to? Uh... Yeah, that's an, enti- that's an entire road to go down. But anyway, the point was is that. We were the, talking about religion. Yeah, the, I don't so know. So what, what what religion okay. what, what religion were you brought up in? And I'm really like sidestepping this question. Um I was You don't have to answer. No, 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 no I, will. Can... no I will. I will. I was I was raised really Christian, but it was non-denominational. My grandmother was one of the uh like Billy Graham like went to his like Billy arena. Graham was the shit. I actually went to I I I, te- I got like uh born again when I was like 10 years old in uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars arena, like stadium. With Billy Graham? Yeah. Dude, that's like seeing Zeppelin. Uh, he's was. like the Zeppelin of preachers. I mean, I that guy was just like, you saw Billy Graham I live? I know. I wish I appreciated it more at the time. Um, yeah, went down on the field, did the whole thing. Dude, that guy was doing stadiums. I mean, I know. he's like fucking U2 of, of like priests. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you got just as an entertainer, you know, every weekend it's like, am I going to move tickets? That guy was just like, I wonder if he had to do like an extra sermon. 
You know, like, hey, you're trying to go up north. They're not buying this Jesus shit. You got to do an extra, <laughs> do an extra sermon to try and promote this. Oh man, yeah. I mean, that, yeah, that was crazy. Um, but I mean, I was pretty like Christian religious like uh, throughout my middle school and then high school. I think it was like I started to get into comedy and uh, like like watching stand up and movies and stuff and. It yeah. like was going against what they were talking about, but I'm like, I kind of like this more. And right. then, but I was still trying to figure out a way not to curse. You know, I didn't like curse until like senior year of high school, but I was still making <laughs> weird like stuff. And then it just like, it must have been the Catholic schoolgirl thing. Like, as soon as I was like, you know, it's not for me, immediately it's like people like getting cummed on or something. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like something <laughs> terrible. Um, well, that's what happens when you, when you like, how many times can you see that? Somebody with an overbearing, oppressed childhood becomes like a fucking banshee whenever, if that's, I don't even know if that term means at this point. Every fucking term you use now, you're like, wait a minute, is that like a fucking, yeah. something you shouldn't <laughs> say? Um, yeah, like Jim Morrison, you know, had a real like, you know, yeah. was a military brat, really like. Oh, it was, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yes, sir, no, sir, you know, this is how you make the bed and all of that. I mean, I think that's, that's kind of like uh, what I was seeing about that. It's really... Uh, so it's kind of good to, you know, yeah. I mean, I always let him like, run a little bit. Let let Hitler paint a little more. <laughs> well, Scorsese was going to be a priest. Like, that was a part of his, his like, upbringing. He's, like, really going to go into the priesthood, and then he makes, like, Goodfellas. I think there's a lot of, like, back then, they they so scared the shit out of people about going to hell that I think there was mothers that wanted one of their kids to be a priest as like collateral for some of the other shit they did so they could get into heaven. And then there was another big thing back then, you you know, you weren't allowed to be gay openly. So that was a place where gay people could go and hide and stuff. It's so fucking ridiculous that you just can't be who you are, but that's the way it was. Um, But I was listening uh, about a couple years ago. I listened to Lenny Bruce at Carnegie Hall. Starts off a little, you know, slow but once he gets going like how contemporary it still is and he does this whole bit talking about homosexuality and like you can't believe like i mean the way they made it seem like back then it was like the dark ages and stuff like that as far as people being accepting of gay people but like the way he talked about it and the way people were laughing it was like oh everybody knew everybody knew I mean, it was also Manhattan. So Manhattan was always ahead of the curve socially when it came to shit like that. But like, they were just talking about like, uh, he was just making references to that uncle, you know? And this is uh, one of his buddies he's always hanging out with. I can't remember how he put it in the way people were laughing. Like everybody like just sort of uh, of knew. So I don't know. I I always imagine him as like one of those like, I don't know what it was really like, but, like, to go see Lenny Bruce, you had to, like, go through a speakeasy or something, you know? Like, it wasn't, like, like uh, acceptable. Like, was he... I don't know much about... You know, I've heard, like, his comedy and stuff, but, like, was he doing, like, late-night shows and stuff, or was he a lot, you know? I know he he did a lot of shows, like, in the village. There was, like, the whole... Uh, there was a whole, like, beat poet things was going on, the sort of the yeah. folk thing, you mm, know? Yeah. Dylan and those guys, I think, were a little bit after him. But and but I think there was a lot of uh, like sort of over like those shows back when there was more of a variety show like the shit that was on TV you know spinning plates and a ventriloquist and then somebody comes out and sings a song or whatever I think that there was shows like a poet a comedian uh, a band would come out and play it was just live entertainment and uh, I know that a young George Carlin 
used to watch Lenny down in, in the, the village, but it seems like the time to see him was before I think like the authorities sort of broke him where he was like just reading about his trial and he sort of got like obsessed with that, the way they were fucking with him and everything. Uh, but before then, when he was just up there just talking, um, you know, if you can get your hands on like bootleg stuff, it's really, really incredible. Like I, he had, dude, he had a fucking bit like six months recorded, six months after the Kennedy assassination, doing a bit because like the whole story was that Jackie Kennedy was trying to grab a Secret Service person to help her husband out. And he was like, no, she was trying to save her own ass. <laughs> and then listening to people laughing at that, because I really think that there's this whole perception of back then, if you watch the TV, you know, the Mickey Mouse Club and Howdy Doody show and all that, you think that these people didn't, you know, didn't look at this stuff critically like this is bullshit. Yeah. I always tell this story. It reminds me a long time ago. Uh, I was taking drum lessons from this guy who called himself the last of the great Armenian trap drummers <laughs> in Brockton, Massachusetts. It was a great music store, which I hope is still there. I used to take drum lessons from this guy. This guy was in his 70s then. So let's see. It was the 1990s. So what is that? He was born in the 20s. And he was telling me, man, he goes, I used to bang this broad. And as I said, I was down the Boston Commons. He goes, yeah, I used to bang this broad up against a tree <laughs> during my lunch hour at the Boston Commons. I, I had this look on my face like, like I couldn't <laughs> believe it. And he just laughed. And he goes, let me tell you something, kid. Because I said, you did that? He goes, let me tell you something, kid. He goes, every generation thinks they're the first one that ever fucked. <laughs> <laughs> now, here's a paradiddle. Um, so anyway, the name of the show, we got to wrap this up here. Uh, and then we got, before we wrap uh, this up, once again, it's Immoral Compass, November 5th on Roku. You know, there's so much stuff out there that is forgettable. This is memorable. This is You're such a talented uh, guy, man, and I'm so psyched to be in business with you uh, that you you came over here to do something with all things comedy because uh, you you really made us look good with what you made here. And um, for those people listening, Tyler Fabo is his name. We got the uh, the Bet MGM um, picks of the week for you football fans coming up next. What's up, everybody? We are back for the NFL Week Number Eight preview, brought to you by bet mgm uh we'll be using the greatest lines out there the bet mgm lines to make all of our picks and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week if you haven't signed up for bet mgm yet use bonus code b-u-r-r -R could not be easier b-u-r-r -R. you'll get a hundred dollars free after placing your first bet here's how it works you download the bet mgm app and you sign up using bonus code BURR, B-U-R-R. Place your first dollar bet, uh, dollar money line bet on any game. You'll receive $100 in free bets immediately after placing your bet, regardless of the outcome. It's that simple. Just make sure you use bonus code B-U-R-R. -R. That's BURR, B-U-R-R, -R, when you sign up. Now, getting into this week, uh... Getting into this week here, we made some people some money. We made some people some money on oh, the Monday you're making people Monday. You, you, Monday. You are making people money. I don't know how I'm going to catch up with a man who doesn't lose. I go three and one. He goes three and one. I go two and two. I fucking, I, I drop a game. Paul Versey is on point. And last week, if you watched one, part of his Monday night, let the Monday night special, part of his bet. 
was he he made the bold, dare I say, arrogant statement that Patrick <laughs> Mahomes, the great pay George sideways, I've never seen that before, was going to throw an interception. And if we have the highlights, I was shaking my head. Paul, I thought you lost your mind. I thought you had so many fucking chains around your neck. Your head was up your ass. I didn't think it was going to happen. And what does Patrick Mahomes do? He throws a pick. And I said, Paul, if Patrick Mahomes throws an interception on Monday Night Football on one of the biggest stages in regular season, in the regular season, I would sing you. I said Connie Francis. It's actually Brenda Lee. I would sing you I'm Sorry. And, Paul, I am a man of my word. So here we go. I'm going to sing this now. We don't have the music, so I'm just going to sing it. I'm sorry, so sorry that I was such a fool. I didn't know Monday Night Football could be so cruel. Oh, Paul Verzi, you tell me. Mistakes are part of being young. <laughs> I had to sing that line. That line's just funny. Paul, I am sorry. I well, mean, Paul, dude. like, you know, you started hot. I thought you were going to cool off the end of September. It didn't happen. I'm like, you know, Paul's, you know, he's going to pull a hammy, you know, mid-October. Didn't happen. We are now into November, Paul. The holiday season has begun. And this is just like at some point you just have to admit Paul Versey's a good team. After all of these years of dwelling in the cellar of the NFC East, <laughs> Paul Versey has learned some things. Paul has taken points. Paul, he's, he's in tune with his vibe. I, I, I don't see myself catching you, Paul. I'm not trying to jinx you here. I'm just being fucking honest. Um, I went 2-2 two and two last week. I got to tell you, though, that thing that just looked like such an obvious gift last week was the one good thing that I did make was the um, the Seattle Seahawks against the Jacksonville Jaguars. They were given like, what was it, four and a half or five at home? And uh, they won like 38 to fucking three or something. And I had one other one. But the, the Bills fucked me over, man. They covered the last goddamn minute. I was I was gonna I was trying to stay in 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 step with Paul Verzi three one. I'm two and two. So I think I'm like five hundred for the year. Andrew Themelis. Yeah, you're like one game over five hundred. One I'll game re- over one game over five hundred. Picking against the spread, Paul. Do you see this on TV? Yeah. They they just picked the money line. I have one game over five hundred in November. Picking against the spread, and I am still two games behind Paul Verzi. This is like when you win hundred games, and some no, other it, fu- fucking team wins one hundred and twenty. No, but that's wrong because I'm two games yeah, over I 500. Just, yeah. no, so I got to be 500. Yeah, you're 500 or one game below. I got to retally it up after this week. But yeah, it, that's. I can't believe I'm 500. I've had, I've had yeah, a lot of one, one and three below. I think Paul's two over. Oh, I got to look here. Better, All right. Listen, we are better than most people doing this, including ESPN analysts. And that's just a statistical fact. All right? We're doing great. We're making people money. We're using fucking bed MGM. They know it. You fucking know it. We almost gave them a Monday night special three weeks in a row. We finally came through. Keep riding the train. Yeah. Keep riding the anything better Paul, fucking train. I'm, I'm riding your coattails because you're the one, the, 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 the Patrick Mahomes. I'll tell you, Paul, your picks on the Monday night special, they're, they're as great as our merch. How do you oh, like dude, that? Our merch, is, our merch is murdering it. But, dude, I'm going to tell you this right now, and you saw this. Look at this. Soft, Paul. Fucking, 
The it's, Chiefs are a bad football team. The Chiefs fucking stink, dude. They stink on so many different levels, and it's weird because they kind of have the same personnel, but he's not finding anybody open. He's missing passes downfield. This guy was breaking down how his leg work is all over the place. Something's wrong, dude. I don't know if the kid's hurt. What my, my, that's what, what my, my brother said. He goes, I think he's hurt. I was like, that's a great call. I, I didn't think that. But I also think, I, dude, they're not a bad football team. For Kansas City, they're bad. Right. I mean, you know, what are they, 5-3? and three? Five and three is fucking terrible for them. <laughs> whatever, whatever they are. Five and four or something. I mean, what week, what week we're on. Oh, but. they're four and, yeah, I think week they're nine. like four and, I think they're like a game under 500, but like, they, yeah, they're bad for what they should be, I guess, but I think he's hurt. I think he can't do certain things with his leg. I think he's hurt. That's the only explanation I have. Hey, what do I know though? But hey, he, you know, who, he, am I? who am I? Hey, you know, but he does seem to be moving fine. In the pocket, from what I've seen, Paul, as a as a fifty three year old white male comedian, I think the man is uh, moving pretty. He moves better than I do on stage. When I hit the big stage, Paul, you know, when I go over to uh, Fud Ruckers to do a set in their fucking function room. Yeah, it's um, funny how we're fucking comedians, and this guy's an elite athlete in the NFL, and we're going, this guy's legs, this guy's no. <laughs> These guys are sick. terrible. They run four forties, you know. <laughs> I don't run a four eighty. <laughs> No, I'm sorry. I'm going the wrong way. I don't run it. I added yards rather than time. I don't run a 1040. After he threw the pick, somebody somebody tweeted, uh, hey, Paul, I think things are a little worse at home than you thought they were. <laughs> Remember you said last week, you said you heard that there was some, some shit going on oh, personally. Oh, I didn't get that. Wow. There's, oh, the rumors, dude, the rumor Aaron mill. Rod Aaron Rodgers not playing this week. Because he tested positive for COVID, and then they found out that he lied when he was asked if he was vaccinated. He said yes. They found out today that he was not vaccinated, and he tested positive. So he will not be playing against the Chiefs next week. So is he having a midlife crisis? Something. Dude, he's got I'm the long you, hair now. He's fucking. I'm, I own you guys. I still own you guys. I like, dude. I'm telling you, I like the new Aaron Rodgers. The old Aaron Rodgers, where he was just, uh, whatever you want, I'm going to do it. This guy, he's, he's had enough, and he's not taking it anymore. I'm not getting the vaccine. If I own you, I'm going to fucking say I own you. I don't know, Paul. I like the new Laurel Canyon singer-songwriter Aaron, Aaron Rodgers. Requested Dude, some of his paycheck right now, in Bitcoin. He's gonna, you're going to see that guy on a fucking surfboard in Malibu all over the paper soon, and then it's over. As soon as that guy gets on a surfboard, it's over. No, he's going to win. He's, he's, he's going Ken Stabler. Ken Stabler was like that. When the coach uh, was going like, hey, hey, Ken, you got to try to get more sleep before the game. He's like, coach, how many hours sleep do you need to play three hours of football? That's great. <laughs> that's great. I like it. Aaron Rodgers is reminding me of quarterbacks in the 70s. Okay, I'm sick of all these fucking guys, you know, just sitting there eating their goddamn whatever the fuck there's their, their, their beet juice and all of that shit. I like it. I like a guy that goes a little rogue. I want to see a quarterback that has a Coors Light at halftime. You know, I want to see somebody going old school, little John Elway, have a cigarette and a yeah. fucking, you know, Bud Light or whatever he used to do during halftime. You know, who's that guy? Yeah. Bobby Lane. Bobby Lane would come in. They would knock him out and be like, Jesus Christ, man, is that from last night? Yeah, no, I had a couple of pops at halftime. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, the good old days we got listen we i just saw these lines and you bill you get first pick because it's an odd week it's week nine so it is your, well, you know, uh, Paul, it is your I, first pick i'm an odd guy i am an odd guy i am gonna take the uh 
Let's see. I'm going to take the Chargers in Philadelphia, given one and a half. Um, I think the Chargers are coming off a loss, Paul. Uh, the Eagles, I think they are better than people, you know, thought they were going to be the beginning part of the year. But I just feel like this is a game that Eagles, the Eagles lose and makes their fan base do something crazy. The holidays are here. Something has to happen. Somebody's going to throw a fucking turkey or do, do something fucking nuts that has to do with the holidays to add to the legend of the behavior of uh, Philadelphia fans. So I like the Chargers. On the road, Paul, going in to the, the hostile confines, but like, you know, I think Veteran Stadium was way more hostile when you were basically playing on cement. Now I think they have a nice field. You know, that's who I like. I like the Chargers. Given one and a half, Paul. Uh-huh. I like that pick, especially off of a loss. All right, my first pick, I'm going to go Kansas City. No, 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 I'm sorry. I'm going to go Cincinnati Bengals at home against the Browns. I think the Browns are finito. Mm -hmm. I think the Browns are done. I like that the Bengals had that game against the the Jets. The Bengals. The Bengals are a girl group, Paul. It's Bengals. Huh? The Bengals are like bangles. our lips are sealed. Bengals. Bengals. That's, that's, that's take... actually the Go-Go's. The Go-Go's. Sorry. So sorry to be that guy. What are the Bengals? I walk like an Egyptian. Yeah. yeah. Eternal flame. It's just another manic, manic Monday. Monday. Whoa. Wish, it, wish was it was Sunday. Sunday. Whoa. I fucking love that band. Don't disrespect um, the Bengals. This is the, the didn't Prince write that one? The Bengals. Yeah, Prince wrote Manic Monday. Oh, why'd you have to take the shine off it? All um, right. So I'm gonna take Cincinnati Sunday at home minus three against the Browns. I think Joe Burrow and them have a big bounce back week after what went on with the Jets, and that's my homecoming theory I right love there, that. smack in the face. I love that. All right, Paul, I got one for you. I'm going to bet on the Dolphins again after they lost me money last week. Uh, they got to win by more. They got to win by seven. They're giving six and a half over Houston, who I just kept saying they can't be that fucking bad. These guys have been double-digit underdogs and not covering the whole season, getting wow. smoked. And it's only six and a half. I say they don't show up again this week. They, dude, they go oh, – oh, they're in Houston. Uh, no, I like that – They're in Miami. Oh, they're in Miami? They're going to go to Miami, Paul. They're going to go do some blow. They're going to bang some broads down the fucking thing. They ain't going to cover. They're not covering. They're not covering, so Paul. Taking, I'm taking the, the Dolphins. I'm taking the Dolphins. They're mammals, Paul. They always say don't say squish the fish. All right? Laces <laughs> out. Laces out. I'm taking the Dolphins. Minus six and a half over Houston. It's just another manic Monday. Whoa. Okay. Who do you got? I'm going I'm going my second pick. The first time I've taken this team all year. I don't like this bet, gentlemen. <laughs> I fucking love this bet. Okay? Oh, I'm okay. Taking, I'm taking the New England Patriots for you the first time. You motherfucker, I was going to take them. God damn you. I'm, I'm taking them minus three and a half to beat the hapless, the hapless, quarterbackless Carolina Panthers. I left that on the board because you have not fucked with them all year. And I thought I was going to, you son of a bitch. I thought you were going to take my Thursday night pick. 
Thursday night, oh. Paul. I'm ripping the Band-Aid off. All right? Oh, boy. The Colts, minus 10.5 over the Jets on the road. The Jets won last week. That was their fucking Super Bowl. The Colts lost, lost last week at home to the Titans. To the Tennessee, right? To the Titans? I had that game. I had that game. Uh, I, that was a pick em. I had the Titans. I won on that money, yeah. that game. So I'm taking the, you know, they got, what's his face there? A quarterback. What's, what's his name there? That fucking guy throws the ball over. He's throwing it all over the yard. I'll wrap Carson you in, Wentz. Carson Wentz. He'll wrap you in the head with a fucking ratchet. Uh, I got the Colts minus 10 and a half over the Jets on the road. I can't believe you took my fucking Patriots, you motherfucker. Now who am I going to take? First, you have first pick, though. You could have done that. Well, Paul, right. I, I I thought you were going to be all over the Chargers. You 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 like, dude. You, I thought that you were on the Chargers fucking train, and that turned out to be a one night stand. You watched one game against the Chargers, and you were like, "Holy <laughs> shit, this fucking guy!" I can't remember anybody's name this week. Their quarterback there, uh, uh, Chris Henchy. What the fuck's his name? Justin Herbert. Herbert. Justin Herbert. You were just like, this kid can fucking play. The da 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 da. So I was like, I got to get my Chargers thing in quick because they're only up. Uh, all right, so I got, I got, I, now I got to pick my last one. Yeah. Oh Christ, this is like the fucking, you know that giant thing, you know where you you pull DVDs out at Walmart. This is my last. Picked. No, you just pick Colts. Well, you can look it up, but yeah, Paul, yeah, it's your turn. Oh, you bastard! All right, guys, I'm going with Monday Night Football. Just another man. I'm taking. The Pittsburgh Steelers, who are flying right now, three in a row, playing a Bears team that's up and down at home in Pittsburgh. Monday night football, six and a half. Tomlin's got the ship righted. Let's go Steelers. And they've been winning for me the last three times I picked them. That's why I hated that game. I hate the Bears. You don't know who you're going to get. You know? Yeah. I'm just stalling, Pierre Paul. All, all these games look fucking terrible. Jacksonville versus the Bills. The Bills are going down so Andrew, there. I have three, right? Three. Am I really going to take the Bills given 14 and a half? All I got is favorites here. What the fuck? I, I hate that. I hate having a week like that. I want to take the Titans against the, the, the Rams, but uh, Henry's out. I don't like that. I don't like that at all. Um... Oh, who gives a shit, Paul? I'm not catching you this year. Fuck it. I got to make a bold move here. I'm taking the Buffalo Bills to cover 14 and a half. Oh, shit. Against the Jacksonville uh -huh. Jaguars. They're losing by like 30 every week. You know what I mean? They got that guy there. What was that fucking toy where the, the girls would just brush the hair? Like that was the whole toy? Barbie? Oh, yeah, yeah. Not Barbie. It was like a troll doll or something like that. The guy with the troll doll hair who's got, you know, he's got the guy going to Hooters. You know, getting hammered. He's got all that money falling out of his pocket and all these whores start backing their ass up onto him. And then, then, then it's his, that guy, you know, I thought he was a victim in that one. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know who that guy is. You know who that guy uh, is, Paul. He, he, he coached the, uh, the team there that was uh, the Ohio State. Oh, yeah, yeah, I can yeah. never remember his name. Uh, was it Jim Tressel? No, no, no. Who who was the coach of Ohio State that that... Oh, oh. Urban Meyer. Is Urban Meyer still the coach of Jacksonville? Yeah. He's literally, I love how he went down there and then became a Florida man. A Florida man was seen <laughs> hammered in a sports bar. Um, my last pick here. I don't know why this line, this is the most confusing line we've had all year. Why the fuck? Am I missing something? Are the San Francisco 49ers minus one against the Cardinals? 
that have only lost one game. And Kyler Murray is not hurt. I don't know what's going on. I know J.J. Watt is hurt. But you know what? Um, I don't know why I didn't I was, see that game. Yeah, They're going to go weird, Arizona. Dude, that's, 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 that's a that's really a, weird. I know. It's I weird. know. When it, when you, that's when it, it's like, if they were like three-point favorites, you'd kind of be like, okay, all right. I'm not fucking with the Packers and Chiefs. I'm just losing. Because, I can't uh, believe you took the Pats, you f- motherfucker. Um, oh, that's going to kill me to watch them win easily. I'm going to take the San Francisco 49ers to win that game. I don't know why. I'm going to take the 49ers minus one. It's basically a pick em in San Francisco. I don't know. I just feel maybe uh, San Francisco starting to play better. Maybe the Cardinals after their first loss. Who knows? Let's let's go. Let's roll the fucking dice. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not going to say that that was fucked up because I don't feel like singing Peggy Lee two weeks in a row, but uh, I didn't see that one coming. I don't um, must be. You know what? Can I switch my Bills bet and I'll take the air just so we can do a head-to-head? I'll take Arizona. I'll take the Bills yeah, out. I'll, I'll take Arizona. Uh, you're crushing me on head-to-heads. Damn it. That <laughs> Three, just, that just, you, Paul, you do. You do, Paul. I mean, you, uh-huh. the, the moves you're making here, Paul, this year. Well, we got to you know do a I mean? Monday night special. Yeah, Monday night special. Oh, let the Monday night special. It should, it should be said that uh, 2,800 people took that bet last week. 2,800. That means people who just bet with MGM saw your faces on the main page and said, I like these guys. Making America money. And listeners. 2,800 people. That's fucking awesome. And now we got Chicago, Pittsburgh. And it's the Chicago, minus. Pittsburgh, right. Paul. I don't know shit about these teams. And you, you got the hot right. hand, Paul, you know? And I'm that well, franchise here. player, Paul, that knows if they're not going down, I'm passing the ball. What do you got here? You love, you're loving Pittsburgh, the money line, right? I love Pittsburgh, the money line. So let's do definitely Pittsburgh. What about Najee Harris? Their star new running back, Najee Harris, going in for a rushing touchdown. And when is and Ben Roethlisberger Billy, not going to throw a touchdown? You don't have to on take On Monday that. Night Football. Yeah. Two. You might throw two. What do you think, Paul? I don't like I that. It's 21 points right there. Yeah. Um, With the Bears. Who are like sometimes they show up and they play, sometimes they don't. But this is in Pittsburgh. Who do they have as quarterback? Brady Quinn, Mitch Mitchelson, Mitch <laughs> Traberski. Qu- who do they got? Who do they? The no, Chicago they got, they got Bears. The yeah, they got the kid from um, Ohio State, Justin Fields. Dude, I swear to God, there's field goal kickers walking down the street get get recognized more than the fucking Chicago Bears quarterback. All the way back to. Uh, to uh, what's his face there? Jim McMahon was the last Chicago quarterback that couldn't walk down the street. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so, so we do. Najee Harris gets a rushing touchdown. Steelers on the money line. And what you want to do? Big Ben throwing. Big Ben throwing. Should we? Should we make it interesting? How about Big Ben throwing a pass that goes more than like forty yards? You want to do something like that? Paul, you love the down the you field. Can a four, you can add a fourth thing if you want. You could How say about Willie Galt for a touchdown? Who? Yeah, he's from he's from like 40 years ago. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, um, he goes, who? <laughs> he was one of those track stars. They're like, you know what? Your body works great. Why don't you play football? You're super fast. No one will catch you. How about this? This is a stretch, but tell me if you guys like it. 
Ben Roethlisberger throws a touchdown that goes over 30 yards. Is that too much, or can uh, they make to fuck with the odds? Can you do that? I think they can. I think they can pull. I no, you they... know what? Fuck it. Fuck it. Let's make people money. Roethlisberger throws a touchdown. Najee Harris gets a rushing touchdown, and the Steelers with the money line. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to do like those yards like that. Big Ben is always like he's like half bionic at this point. At this point in every season, you can add a fourth bet if you want. Like, like you like maybe you think Pittsburgh's going to get an interception. You want to do something like that? A fumble recovery. Oof, four. That's getting paid, Paul. The Steelers get a fumble recovery. That's a ballsy one. You want to do that? People I make big f- money though. Those are. Yeah, the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's what they do. Let's do that. Throw yeah, that one that's in. What, it's what all right. they do. All, all four, though, still, right? We're not replacing anything. Yeah. All four. Yeah, all, right. all four. All right. Love and it. And you, you listeners yeah. out there, if you want to stop with the first three, Puff, we hit two Monday night specials in a row. Especially with a four. Oh, we're, we're meeting the mayor. <laughs> <laughs> all right, everybody. That has been the, uh, the Bet MGM segment. Paul, you got to read the outro, right? Paul reads the outro. Same as the intro. Same as the intro. Second verse, same as the the first. All right, guys, that's been our uh, week nine picks. Hope you guys jump on with us with the uh, Bet MGM lines. Um, We are using, as you guys know, the greatest, greatest uh, website to do this is Bet MGM app line to make all of our picks. Um, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up to bet MGM yet, use bonus code BURR. That's B-U-R-R, and you'll get $100 free after placing your first $1 bet. Okay, here's how it works. You download the bet MGM app and sign up using bonus code BURR. That's B-U-R-R. Place your first $1 Moneyline bet um, any NFL game. You'll receive $100 in free bets immediately after placing your bet, regardless of the outcome. Okay, so it's it's just there. Go have fun. Bet with us. Just make sure that you use bonus code BURR when you sign up. You have to be 21 years of age or older to wager in Arizona, Colorado, D.C., Iowa, Indianapolis, Michigan, Minnesota, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, or Wyoming only. Uh, new customer offer paid in free bets. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. Uh, excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP for Arizona. Uh, 800-522-4700 for Colorado, D.C., Nevada, Wyoming, and Virginia. 800-270-7117 for confidential help, Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER, Indianapolis, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia. 1-800-BETS-OFF for Iowa. Call or text the Tennessee red line. 800-889-9789 for Tennessee or call. 888-777-9696 for Minnesota. Uh, sports betting is a void in Georgia, Hawaii, Ohio, and Utah, and other states uh, were prohibited. Uh, promotional offers not available in Nevada. All right, and that's our NFL picks. Once again, Tyler, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. This is a literal dream. Okay. Well, I, I actually I, dreamed about this. I, I appreciate <laughs> that, and I'm so thankful that you came here to do your project with us, and I hope we're going to get a second season. Once again, November 5th, Roku and Moral Compass. We'll uh, have a great weekend, you cunts. Enjoy the bonus episode of the Thursday afternoon just before Friday, Monday morning podcast, and I'll talk to you on Monday.
Hey, what's going on? It's Bill Burr, and it's the Monday Morning Podcast for Monday, November 4th, 2013. How you doing? How are you? How's it going? Ah, you know our old fucking red face is in a good mood this week. Huh? You know why? Because it's hockey season. Now I'm fucking with you. You know what it is? The Boston Red Sox. 2013 World Series champions. And I was there to see it. Not in person. <laughs> I watched it on TV. You know, and I got to tell you. All the emotions I had from jumping on the bandwagon from game one of the American League Divisional Series. You know what I realized through watching all that playoff baseball? I fucking love hockey. Hockey is, is I'm not even going to say how great the fucking game is because I don't want you guys to watch it because that'll ruin it. And then somehow hockey players will be wearing pink in October. All right. By the way, I'm loving all those stories that are coming out about how little money actually goes to breast cancer research. Not because I, I, I'm pro breast cancer for you knee jerk fucking cunts out there. It's just because from day one, if you couldn't see the money-making scam that that was, and then also on the other side to try and get more female fans, okay? If you can't do the fucking math on that, you know how the rest of it goes. Um, so anyways, yeah, the Red Sox won it, man. It's fantastic. Hey, Seattle, this is how the song's supposed to go. We are the champions, my friends. I love it. You know what the best part about the fucking Red Sox winning was watching was Paul Verzi immediately sent me a text and he said, congrats. And I knew he didn't mean it. <laughs> and it took about four or five. You know, what it was it was the Red Sox parade. Something happened. And now Paul Verzi. All right. A New York Yankee fan is now telling me how arrogant Boston sports fans are. I mean, I'll listen to that. To anybody else in any other fucking city, but to hear that from a fucking Yankee fan, are you kidding me? And then he starts bringing up steroids. A fucking Yankee fan bringing up steroids. You know? Well, he won in 04, Manny Ramirez. He was your MVP with the fucking steroids. Really? You ever think maybe Manny had to do steroids because he was facing a roided up Roger Clemens, a roided up Andy Pettit? Let's go around your infield. Roided up Jason Giambi. Roided up fucking A-Rod. Oh, now we're out to the outfield. Roided up Gary Sheffield. The fucking Yankees from the late 90s right through the 2000s were a fucking steroid factory. And a $215 fucking million dollar team. Jesus Christ. But I don't begrudge them. I don't begrudge them any of their fucking titles. It was the steroid era. Okay? You knew what era it was. If you weren't doing steroids, that's on you. You know? It's like you're in the music business and it's the late 70s. You don't want to play disco. Well, have, have a nice fucking time playing in front of eight people with your Gregorian chant or whatever the fuck it is you want to do. It was the steroid era. I'll tell you right now, we're all going to fucking be on them. They're gradually, gradually going to become legal. And all of this shit that everybody's talking about. Come on, look at these fucking guys. You know, I love all these guys, how they get hurt later on in their careers and then they go to Germany and they like, I don't know what they're doing over in Germany, but God knows those fucking maniacs love experimenting on human beings. These people are coming back. The Peyton Mannings, the fucking 
<laughs> Kobe. You, Kobe's going to come back made out of titanium, and they're going to give all the credit, the, the, the drive, the determination, the competitiveness this guy has to, 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 to retire from such an injury. I'm telling you right now, if you want to rewind the clock and come back like fucking Lee Majors and the $6 million man, you go to fucking Germany. I don't know what the fuck they're doing over there. I had a buddy of mine recently was talking about that. Hey, they take blood out of you, and they fucking spin it around in this fucking centrifuge. Oh, is that what they're doing? Let me a fucking break. My fucking leg is killing me because I ran like two feet down the street the other day at 45 years of age. These guys can play tackle football until 40. I know I'm not a professional athlete, but I am a human being. All right? I'm not going to name any fucking names, but there's a lot of people. Dude, when I was a kid, 35 was the breaking point. And when you were 37, you were fucking ancient. People weren't even playing. Chess players could continue on at 37. Golfers. But that was it. You, you were fucking dust. It was over. These fucking guys, you know, they'll blow out their knee at 41, 42 and come back a year later and have a career fucking year. What did it take us? Like what? A couple hundred thousand years to walk upright? All of a sudden, the knee has evolved that far in fucking 15 years. (laughs) I don't know what I'm talking about, but I'm just saying. All right. Oh, my God. Dude, Verzi, I've never seen him whine. He's so fucking pissed that they're calling Boston title town. I mean, what else are you going to call Boston? Three Super Bowls, three World Series, an NBA title. Got fucked out of another one with those corrupt refs. But whatever. We'll give it to him. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Game seven. Call 35 fouls on us and 16 on the other team. That's fine. That's good. Let's watch them win it from the line. Um, And a Stanley Cup championship. They've won eight fucking titles in 10 years with only four teams. The entire state of New York at this point. There's what? There's 10 fucking teams. New York City next year when the Islanders move there. They're going to have two hockey teams, two basketball teams, two football teams, two baseball teams. And they've never had a 10-year run like this. The fucking Green Bay Packers. If Green Bay, Wisconsin can be considered title town in the 60s with one fucking team, you know? Yeah, I'd say we earn it. I'm not saying that throughout all of sports history, Boston is title town. But right now, the last 10 fucking years, be honest with yourself. Get past your hatred. Of fucking Boston. Just look at it on paper. Who, who would you rather be? You? And the success your team had? Or, or what happened in Boston? I had nothing to do with it. I'm not being arrogant. I'm just stating the fucking facts. All right? And the fact is, I was watching game... What, was, what the fuck? Game six. And at one point, you know, they're changing out goddamn pitchers. And it's taken for fucking ever... And I click over to watch a little bit of the Bruins-Penguins game. And uh, it was right when they had a fight right off the face-off in the, uh, the third period. I forget the guy in the Penguins name, uh, uh, name of the guy in the Penguins. But he's fucking hilarious. He's in the middle of the fight. And he's sitting there smiling, looking in the other direction, staying out of the way of the Bruins guys' rights. You know, you can tell uh, there's a lot of new Bruins this year. And I, I've been watching baseball, so I got to get caught up. And it was just instantly... The fight was over, and then we watched like two minutes of the game. And um, I fuck it. I'm going to say it. That game was more exciting than game six of the World Series. Maybe it's just me, how I'm wired. Hockey, it's, I, I watched the replay 
Uh, the, the, the Bruins, I taped a bunch of Bruins games and I'm getting caught up. I watched the Bruins-Islanders game. And that was a ridiculously fucking exciting game. Jesus Christ, Thomas Vanek, does that guy fucking own the Bruins or what? He's killing us. I got, I, I'm going to try to make it out, by the way, to an Islanders game before they close that place down. I'd like to do that and also go to a 49ers game. I got I mean, I've been to both places, but uh, it is the last year. I haven't been to Nassau Coliseum. I think I went there in 88 or 89. I can't, and I went to an Islanders-Rangers game. I know I talked about this before, but uh, that's a legendary building, and I think it's sad that they're leaving and they're going to go to Brooklyn. Are they going to be the Brooklyn Islanders? I don't know. I liked, I, I've always liked the Islanders, every, except for when they beat the Bruins in the uh, – when the fuck did they beat us? Maybe 83? No, 83 be choked to the Canadians. Somewhere in there. We met them in the playoffs, and I thought we were going to have a run there. It was during their their dynasty. Um, oh, by the way, I saw some fucking moron Red Sox fan. It said 2004, 2007, 2013, Red Sox dynasty. <laughs> Who the fuck taught like, – like, the definition of a dynasty, I swear to God, is like it's just going – somebody has to stop it from its free fall. I remember when the Patriots, we won three in four years, and it was called a dynasty. And that was the first time I'm like, wait a minute. Wait, a dynasty has always been – you have to win three in a row. Two in a row is a repeat. Three is a dynasty, and then like however long you can make that go. And I, as far as I know, my knowledge in professional sports – I think the record in hockey and baseball is both five by the Yankees and the Canadians, of course. And, and then, in, let's see, in basketball, it's the Celtics with nine, which, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's like literally the beginning of the NBA. I look at a lot of that shit, um, you know. Those championships you win in the 23 Skidoo years when a fucking league is just getting started. You know, like the league is so new that if you just walked in with a microphone and a PA system, you would be the team's fucking announcer during the game. You know, those old guys, 80-year-old guys, when they talk about, you know, how did you get your start? You know, announcing for the uh, Milwaukee Bucks. Well, I, I you know, I, I saw the paper that they had a game, and I came down with a microphone. And that was about it <laughs> for 50 years later. You know, like now it's just so... It's so locked down. So there is that weird thing. And it's also, uh, that's, that's that weird thing about sports where, like, each sport has that team that just went on that fucking run when the shit was just getting established and they got so out in front that no one can, oh, is that really right? I don't know. The Lakers caught the Celtics, which I th- are catching up to them, which I think is the most impressive thing because they did it from 1970 on, which is basically the free agent era and all that. So that's the most impressive one. Canadians and uh, Maple Leafs went blow for blow until 67. The Celtics are a good example of it. And um, and the Yankees to a little bit of an extent. You know, it's like they won a ton before, you know, anybody other than white guys were allowed to play. But um, you can't fuck with going from Ruth to Gehrig, to DiMaggio, to Mantle. Like, no one will ever fuck. Although, 
Although the Pittsburgh Penguins, they're halfway there. Nah, I would just, nah, I guess I wouldn't say that. Dude, they went Mario Lemieux, Yarmir Yager to Gino and fucking Sidney Crosby. That's pretty impressive in this day and age in a, in a 20-year period. You know, Peyton Manning to Andrew Luck. It's just not the, you know what? It's too early. It's too early to look back. I don't know. I don't know what. What the fuck am I talking about? This is the Monday Morning Podcast, everybody. And uh, uh, what did I do this? I had a fucking great week. I'm back out on the road this week, and I'm doing a tune-up show tonight at Flappers out in Burbank. I got to make sure I give everybody uh, their money's worth this weekend because coming up, I got uh, arguably the biggest week of shows I've ever had. I'm at Constitution Hall. In uh, Washington, D.C. And for you comedy nerds like myself, that's where Eddie Murphy taped Delirious. And I believe Martin Lawrence also taped a special there. So uh, I got to bring the A game for that one. Um, And then the next night, I'm at the Beacon Theater. And then the last night, I'm at – I'm in Upper Darby. People keep saying, stop saying it's Philly. I mean, to me, it's 15 minutes from downtown Philly. Upper Darby, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Uh, I'm at the Tower Theater. And I'll be bringing along the most bitter sports fan that I know in this moment right now, Paul Verzi. <laughs> Dude, he was so fucking mad that the Red Sox won. He even brought up the Celtics, their pile-on championship, okay, in 2008, which I've always admitted to. And I felt the Kevin Garnett trade should have been investigated considering Kevin McHale was like the fucking whatever, was running shit for the Timberwolves. Okay, and I'll listen, like once again, I'll listen to anybody give me shit about that other than a fucking New Yorker. He's going to give me shit about buying, a New Yorker is going to give me shit about buying a fucking championship. Really? 77, 78 Oakland A's slash fucking New York Yankees. The 1994 Edmonton Oilers slash New York Rangers. Give me a fucking break. And then I don't even need to bring up the Yankees. 99, 2000, 2009. Get the fuck out of here. Fucking jerk off. Um, anyways. What am I talking about here? Uh, yeah, I had, a, I had an unreal week. I got I to gotta do a little bit of advertising here. Sorry, I'm a little bit all over, over the place. I got uh, I got some bullshit I have to do today before I run over to the club. Um, I did a benefit last night for uh, for Pitbulls um, down at Largo. And I got to admit, I was a little fucking out of sorts. I've been in a weird mood. I've just been enjoying – I've been home for like two weeks for the first two straight weeks in a row this year. And I got to tell you, I did not miss going on the road. kind of scared me, you know? Sat around making pumpkin bread and shit, wearing a fucking apron. What the hell's wrong with me? I got to get back out on the road or I'm going to retire. Uh, Dollar Shave Club, everybody. Um, this is this this one right here is uh, this is killing it right here. Everybody loves this. Anybody with whiskers, be you a fucking male or uh, a hairy woman, this one is for you. Dollar Shave Club for a couple of bucks a month. DollarShaveClub.com delivers amazing quality razors right to your door. Not only does it save you a ton of cash. But it saves you from trudging to the drugstore for a pack of blades. I always get stuck behind the lady paying for all her loose change from the car ashtray. Is that me supposed to be saying that? No, I don't. I usually get stuck behind the family of seven who want to develop pictures, get some ice cream, and also, uh, I don't know, buy some Listerman. 
Listerman? Listerine? I don't know what the fuck it is. Um, it's like she thinks exact change is a requirement. Um, anyways, but with uh, Dollar Shave Club, for just a couple of bucks a month, amazing quality razor blades. They're delivered right to your door, people. That's right. No more wasting time and no more getting up, uh, getting hit for 20 bucks every time you buy razors. Everybody here is getting their Dollar Shave Club blades, and you should too. I should really look at these before they send these to me, okay? It's not everybody here. It's me. It's just me, all right? Me and my split personality. Um, all right. Here's a genius idea. Try replacing your old shaving cream with Dr. Carver's Easy Shave Butter. Butter from dollarshaveclub.com. Trust me, your face will thank you later. I've used that stuff. It's great. Uh, don't waste time at the drugstore. Behind the lady with paying and pennies, go to dollarshaveclub.com forward slash burr or go to billbird.com and click on the Dollar Shave Club banner. Keep your stress level low and your bank account balance high. Shave Shave time, shave money with dollarshaveclub.com. All right. Here we go. E-voice. If you are an entrepreneur, hey, who isn't? Two things keep you up at night, increasing revenue and controlling expenses. E-voice is a simple technology that helps you do both. How do you do that? Well, I'll tell you. Let's start with revenue. E-voice helps you make sure that everyone who calls your business is treated like gold. You get your own toll-free toll or local number. You can set up a dial. <sighs> Jesus Christ, Bill. You can set up a dial-by-name directory or have calls instantly routed anywhere. Your cell phone, your house, your partner or assistant or all of the above. Evoice even transcribes your voicemails and emails them to you. So you can prioritize when and how you want to respond without interrupting your workflow. With eVoice, you can never leave money on the table. Just go to the podcast page at BillBurr.com and click on the eVoice banner or go to eVoice.com slash BillBurr. eVoice also cuts your expenses by acting as your business phone system and your receptionist. This technology could save your business hundreds of thousands of dollars. eVoice starts out at only 10 bucks per month. Um, with that, you can get – plus that, I'm sorry. Plus you can get a free 30-day trial right now when you go to the podcast page at Page at billbird.com and click on the eVoice banner or go to eVoice.com slash billbird. That's my website, billbird.com, and click on the eVoice banner or go to eVoice.com slash billbird. All right? Let me just try reading slower and enunciating. Let me see if this helps me. Hulu Plus. Hulu Plus, everyone. You've probably tried Hulu.com. Now, with Hulu Plus, you can watch your favorite shows anytime, anywhere. Hulu Plus lets you watch thousands of hit shows and a selection of acclaimed movies on your television or on the go with your smartphone or tablet. And guess what? It all streams in HD for the best viewing experience. With Hulu Plus, you can watch your favorite current TV shows like SNL, Community, and Family Guy. You can also check out exclusive content including Hulu Originals like The Awesomes starring SNL's Seth Meyers and Moonboy starring Chris O'Dowd from Bridesmaids. Hulu Plus also offers a great selection of acclaimed films. For only $7.99 a month, you can stream as many TV shows and movies as you want, wherever you want. Right now, you can try Hulu Plus free for two weeks when you go to HuluPlus.com slash Bill. That's a special offer for my listeners. Make sure you use HuluPlus.com slash Bill so you get the extended free trial. And, then, and also, they'll know that we sent you. Go to HuluPlus.com slash Bill now or click the Hulu Plus banner on the podcast page at BillBird.com. All righty. Back to the podcast. All right. Here's one that I've been uh, keeping an eye on over the last couple. Oh, by the way, dude, I tried another. I'm, you know, I've been sober here for fucking 13 days. 
Um, I like it. I like it in the morning. I hate it at night. In the morning, I want to hug somebody, but at night, I, uh, you know, I don't know what I want to do, but I want to inflict pain on somebody. So I've just been trying to fill up those times with some that I used to booze. Uh, and I'm not done forever, people. I'm coming back. All right. Just like Mariana Rivera, I'm coming back. <laughs> um, I tried, you know, I tried to make homemade ravioli for the first time. Okay. And like an asshole, rather than just trying to make the homemade ravioli and making a simple ricotta filling, just keeping it simple like that, or maybe just making a skeddy, right? What does old Billy Fuckface do? He tries to make a braised short rib ravioli with this mushroom gravy on top. It was like trying to make three fucking entrees by myself. I already knew how to make braised short ribs. So I had to go through that whole fucking process just to get the filling for the ravioli that I had never made. So for the first time in my life, my mother bought me one of those KitchenAid mixes like seven years ago, and I have never used it. The fucking thing weighs more than the goddamn Stanley Cup. And I finally took this thing out of the back of my poor excuse for a pantry, and I set it down. And I had the pasta-making uh, attachment. And uh, I, I can't even tell you how fucking excited I was. So I watched this Sicilian woman. I'll, I'll send you the link to it, where she makes uh, she makes this homemade pasta. Semolina with her fucking perfect... Just You just look at her. She's, she's, she's from Sicily. It's not like she's Sicilian and she's lived over here for a couple of... I'll, I'll just show it to you. When you look at her Fred Sanford fucking hands, you know that she's been kneading pasta dough since the day she came out of the womb and she knew what the fuck she was doing. So the the, the dough actually came out all right. I probably should have kneaded it a little bit more, but I didn't have that um, – the ravioli thing where you, it's like you're, you're like a notary republic and you got to stamp it down. So I make the fucking – I make the fucking ravioli. It actually came out really good. I could have mixed it a little bit more. There was a little bit of granulated semolina, so I kind of fucked it up a little bit. And then I put my filling in there, caramelized onions with braised short ribs and a little bit of carrots in there. Fucking delicious. Stick it in this shit, and I go to make these things, and I fucked up on two levels. One, I didn't seal them correctly, and two, I made them too big. Because I guess when you drop them in the water, when they're done is when they float. But mine were so big, they were like fucking barges. And they were just floating up top. And they weren't sealed. And all the fucking... <laughs> all the fucking filling came out of them. In them. It was a fucking mess. It was an absolute fucking mess. And... Ah, I almost started crying. It took me... Like that entire process took about... Five and a half hours. It took me three hours to fucking braise the short ribs. Get all the ingredients, braise the short ribs in a fucking Dutch oven. And it just, I, I, I didn't, you know what? I didn't waste a day. You learn something in your failures. I know how to caramelize onion. I know how to fucking reduce that goddamn sauce down to a fucking gravy. And the douchebag with the YouTube video, the way you edited the shit together, you made it seem like that took five minutes. So I should have already started sauteing my mushrooms, you cunt. And you fucking left half of the ingredients off of your shit because you won that cooking contest with it. All right?
And I get it. You want to be a celebrity chef so you don't want to tell all your fucking secrets. So why don't you put up a recipe of, of PB&J next time instead of having this vague thing and having me waste my whole fucking Saturday, you cunk. Ah, forget it. All right. So anyways. But a homemade pasta, not that hard to do. Uh, I'm going to do it again tonight. Picking myself up off the mat, unlike George Foreman when Molly got knocked him down back in the day. Right? I'm getting up. I'm coming out. I'm going to try spaghetti tonight, making it nice and simple. All right? I got a Prego sauce. I don't give a fuck. I'm keeping, I'm working at one, working on my pasta game tonight. And that'll be easy. I got the attachment. You just, you know, send it through number one a couple of times and then two, then up to three, I think. And then I'll put the fucking Sketty attachment on and I'll send it right through the fucker and that's going to be it. That's what I'm hoping. Jesus Christ, what happened to me? You know what happened? I stopped drinking. That's what happened. When I stopped drinking, all right, the booze goes away and the apron comes out of the drawer. Oh, hey, by the way, do you know we didn't celebrate Halloween this year? I was really, uh, that was Nia's call because of all the, uh, all the fucking assholes who came to our house last year who were well beyond the age of being able to trick or treat. So instead, we went to the uh, Clippers Warriors game. And uh, what a fucking team the Warriors have, man. I'm actually uh, thinking about getting the fucking NBA package because I don't watch enough sports, right? Um, it was ridiculous. The, the fucking game was like it was like an all-star game as far as the uh, – it was like 120-something to 120-something. Um, but I got to tell you, we went to the game, and being stone sober at a game and just taking in the level of mouth-breathing fucking drunk morons that go to the game – that was really eye-opening. Um, I just was sitting there like, wow, that, that guy is me, except I'm sober right now. I watched this drunk, fat couple in front of me get hammered out of their minds and then order this big thing of nachos and then feed them to each other like this, like they were in Lady and the Tramp. It's one of the most disgusting things I've ever seen. But, like, if I was hammered, I would have been like, oh, look, at they're in love. So I'm basically I'm gonna try and stay sober until uh until I go over to Europe and then all bets are off. All bets. I mean like I'm gonna go to Italy and I'm not gonna fucking drink some wine. Give me a fucking break, right? Anyways, and speaking over there in Europe, this is a story that I've been keeping up on is the uh the Greenpeace thirty. The Greenpeace thirty, okay. Now, for those of you who haven't been paying paying attention or, or uh haven't listened to the podcast really quickly. It was a group of 28 Greenpeacers. Is that the correct word? Greenpeace people. And, uh, and two journalists. And they decided that they were going to board a Russian oil rig by basically somehow shooting their ropes up there and climbing up the side of it. And they got arrested by Russian Navy SEALs, and they were charged with piracy, as you would think that they would. And they've all been, you know, all the Greenpeace supporters and their family members, they're all outraged, thinking that the Russians are overreacting. And uh, and when we last saw them, let me click on this. When we last saw them, they were in a jail in Murmansk, Russia, which at this time of year, it's dark 24 hours. And... Uh, and they were actually going to drop the piracy charges from piracy down to hooliganism. 
But uh, this is what's happened this week. Arctic 30 being moved from Murmansk to St. Petersburg. St. Petersburg is out of the Arctic Circle, and now you're basically just south of Finland. Um, And I want to say that that's the city that Finland had to give back to the Russians, even though they beat them in World War II. They had to give them back just because they sided with uh, 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 angry Charlie Chaplin over there. Um, All right, Amsterdam, November 1st, 2013. Greenpeace International understands uh, from diplomatic sources that the 30 men and women detained in Russia following a peaceful protest. That's what they said, peaceful protest. Like that, There was nothing peaceful about that. It was somewhere between peaceful and an act of war, as far as I'm concerned. You just don't go out into international waters and just, without permission, board somebody else's vehicle. <laughs> you can't do shit like that. All right? But they consider it a peaceful protest. Uh, against an Arctic oil platform and are being moved from a detention center in Murmansk to a jail in St. Petersburg. You like how they completely ignore the fact that they tried to board the fucking thing? It's not like they just showed up and kind of drove around it with signs saying, hey, man, fucking knock it off. Um, Lawyers for Greenpeace are not aware of the reasons for the move. Greenpeace International Executive Director Kumi Nadal said, uh, the the detainees, this is what uh, this Kumi person said, The detainees shouldn't be in jail at all. They should be free to join their families and restart their lives. St. Petersburg has some daylight in the winter months, unlike Murmansk. Families and and consular officials will now find it easy to visit the 30, but there is no guarantee that conditions inside the new detention center will be any better than in Murmansk. In fact, they could be worse. There is no justification whatsoever to keep the Arctic 30 in prison for, for a day longer. I love how they just completely ignore that they they broke the law. I don't know what law it is. <laughs> I'm completely uninformed, but I know you just can't go around boarding other countries' fucking oil. Pl- I wouldn't even do that to Exxon's. And they're allegedly on my team. Anyways, they are prisoners of conscience who acted out of determination to protect us all, and they should be free. Now, that I don't disagree with, but the way you fucking went about it... Um, so here's the thing. Greenpeace today released photographs, blah, blah, blah. So as of last week, they, they allegedly dropped the piracy charges. But um, I guess they're saying they haven't now. All they've done is tacked on hooligan charges. So they nan- now stand, ch- uh, as of right now, they s- now stand accused of both offenses, which carry a maximum sentence of 15 years for piracy and seven years for hooliganism, respectively. All right, so... I don't know. I don't disagree with Greenpeace or that type of thing, but I hope that they learned that, you know, you can't just go around (laughs) boarding Russian oil platforms and just because you know it's a peaceful... I mean, Jesus Christ. I mean, that's like... I don't know. Somewhere in there, there's a protest. There's that gray area between a protest and an act of war. Like that shit that's going on between China and Japan right now. They're fighting over those islands. I forget who said. Somebody's going to shoot down another person's drones. And uh, the other country's going to consider it a fucking act of war if they do it. I got to tell you, man, that, that will be fucking insane if Japan and China go at it. 
who do you like? Who do you like in that dogfight? Let's just say for once the United States stays out of it and Russia stays out of it. And if the two of them were just going to throw down, I would just think sheer numbers. China has to have them. They got to have, you know, and those islands are closer to China. So that's more home field advantage for them. I don't know. Is it weird that I want to see it? That's fucked up, right? I'm just sick of like, you know, it's like when the Yankees and Red Sox played each other, like to the point they just, they pat each other, play each other for 30 years. I got burned out in that rivalry. I just wanted to watch somebody else. I started watching the Royals. I'm sick of watching the fucking the U.S. go at it with everybody. I want to watch Japan. I want to watch two other countries have a nice fucking throwdown. I want to see it. Pay-per-view, Japan versus China. Who do you like? You know, technicians versus fucking smash mouth football. All right, enough with me sounding fucking stupid trying to talk about international shit. (laughs) I had a dream come true this week, everybody. Aside from watching just Paul Verzi, oh my God, was he a fucking baby. He was pulling out all the stops last night. He fucking hates Boston. And then he tried to tell me all the reasons why he loved Boston to justify his hatred of Boston. You know, he basically gave me the sports analogy of the classic, no, 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 wait, my best friend is African-American. That's what he did, but he did it in a sports, you know. It was fucking horrific. I think the people are funny. I like the food. Shut the... Stop trying to give yourself credibility. Um, Please, please listen to the Paul Versey uh, podcast, the Versey effect this week. I'm sure he's going to be going off. If you're as a Red Sox fan, you should really listen to him. You got to listen to him piss and moan about their beards and all of that shit. It's going to be... It's just going to be fucking music to my goddamn ears. And all he does is he just brings up the fact that the Giants beat the Patriots twice. I don't give a fuck. We still won three Super Bowls. I would rather... Who would you rather fucking be? <laughs> and I'm not giving all New York fans shit. I'm just talking specifically to Verzi. Um, and anybody else there who's a whiny fucking cunt. Who, God knows, I'm a hypocrite because I've been a whiny cunt about the Lakers and the Yankees and every the Canadians. It's just fun to be on the other side of the whining. Um, and now I get to act like I'm a fucking perfect person. Um, yeah, I am a hypocrite. Go fuck yourself. I stand by it. Anyways, the other dream that I had come true is uh, I've been, I've been gradually, uh, for like, I would say, I don't know, whenever Mike Johnston started doing those drum lessons, whenever I stumbled upon him, I was still living in New York. I, I believe when I first found him back in like 07 or whatever. And, um, you know, I found these drum lessons online and I just kept going from guy to guy to guy. And then I stopped at this guy, Mike Johnston, and he was just head and shoulders above everybody else that I saw out there and the, and the stuff that he was teaching and the way he broke it down and his whole philosophy, the whole pattern, speed, movement, the whole fucking thing that he did was just, I don't know, it just really connected with me. So for years, I was thinking, you know, some point I'm going to see that guy either at a clinic and I'm going to take, you know, maybe take a lesson, one or the other, blah, 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 blah. Long story short, he came down to the new uh, Recess Studios in Santa Ana, California, which is right down in uh, um, Orange County, California. If you're playing a band and you don't want to play in some grimy, horrific rehearsal space like most of them are with like fucking stains on the rug 
from Grand Funk Railroad 40 fucking years earlier when they weren't even famous. Uh, if you want to play in an just state-of-the-art awesome facility, Recess Studios in Santa Ana, California. Anyways, long story short, I guess the guy who opened the place was one of Mike Johnston's drum students, and he was talking about opening a rehearsal place. And Mike said, well, if you ever open one, I'll come down for free and do a drum clinic. So that's how I ended up going down there. And I reached out to Mike, and he goes, hey, why don't you come down and take a fucking lesson? He didn't say fucking. He's much more classier guy than I am. And I got to knock that out, and uh, it was the shit. So I'm sober, I'm cooking, and I took uh, drum lessons from a fucking drum god this week. And now I have to go back to fucking LAX tomorrow where somebody shot up a fucking T TSA agent. <laughs> and I have been a grumpy cunt on stage my last two shows. I'm getting nervous, everybody. I think I'm getting old. I'm getting too old to do the fucking road. I gotta, I, you know what? I gotta go to Germany, like Peyton Manning and those guys. I, I need, I need to fucking get a, have them spin my blood around some centrifuge or whatever the fuck you call it. But uh, anyways, I'm getting off track. So thank you to Mike Johnston, unbelievably patient, uh, dealing with my drumming and, and helping me try and improve. And if, you know, if you play drums or whatever, I highly recommend going to uh, Mike'sLessons.com. And, um, I mean, he's just state-of-the-art. You can Skype in and watch the guy, you know, do live lessons. It's just like he is at the forefront of all of that. And on top of all of that, he's a phenomenal drummer and will break down any – basically, if you can get in touch with him, anything that he did, he'll break it down as slow as you want. He's just – he's the shit. So that was my week. And with that, with that, let me uh, – let me um, – Oh, and also something else. I'm not going to say who it was, but uh, someone else I know uh, has one of those those cars, uh, Teslas. And I got to drive one and ride in one. It was the fastest fucking car I've ever been in. It's 100% electric. So all you guys who wrote all that homophobic shit about my Prius, know that my Prius is actually a gas combustion engine past five miles an hour. It's a big fucking scam. It's only electric from under five and uh, five miles an hour and under. But this was actually a full-on electric car, and it was fucking insane. The back of my head was tingling. I think that was blood going to the back of my head. We got up to 60 miles an hour so goddamn fast. And he didn't even have the fast one. He had, I guess, the slower version of it. And uh, you can drive from San Diego all the way up to the border of Canada. And charge the car. Right now, it takes 30 minutes to charge it. You can go 350 miles. Most of the chargers, I guess, are in rest areas. So you just sit down. You have something to eat. Check your fucking messages. I know it's 30 minutes, but whatever. You pull into a gas station. You get a Slim Jim. You go in there. You take a shit, right? That's 10 minutes. I, you know what? The one thing I didn't ask was how much the electricity costs. I have no idea. But I guess uh, their goal is you're going to be able to hopefully by 2014 drive – from um, Los Angeles to New York City. But uh, I don't know if you got the money because they're not cheap. Dude, it was insane. I wanted to, I guess all the batteries are under the car and I wanted to look under and see them. And the guy was like, well, it's going to look like a skateboard underneath the car. And uh, it was insane. Uh, there was a couple things that he said and I forgot to ask. He said there's no fluid in the car. 
And I'm thinking, all right, well, it's all batteries, so you don't need to, uh, you don't need any antifreeze, you don't need any oil. There's no transmission, no transmission fluid. But I forgot to ask him about the braking system. You got to have brake fluid, right? You know what's funny? As I could just probably look it up, but uh, if you get a chance, definitely check those things out. And um, this guy was telling me that there's people that drag strips that'll take like there's some guy he has a Datsun. Just a regular old Datsun from the 70s. It's all electric power, and he fucking wings in the quarter-mile drag races all the, time, all, the, all, the, all the time, which makes me feel great because for years I defended the Prius and electrical power by saying you can get on a subway, and that can move 1,000 people at like 35, 40 miles an hour during rush hour in New York City. You think a fucking car, if they really wanted to make one with electrical power, couldn't be fast? Well, I finally experienced it. So, uh... I don't know. I'm really babbling this week. Uh, let's let's get to the uh, let's get the questions for this week. Uh, pumpkin bread. Hey, Billy Crocker, <laughs> tell us something exciting about the pumpkin bread making experience, as if you were doing Sports Center coverage of what went down during the process. Dude, what is this like a fucking improv class? I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I already told you about the disaster. I, my, you know what? I did. I already did it with my 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 braised short rib ravioli. That was like talking about the Red Sox collapse in September last year. That's as close as I'm going to get. And uh, I don't know. We got to. We're going to switch it up this week with a bunch of uh, international emails. Take a break from the relationship advice. It's, listen to this one. This one's from Peru. Dear Billy Holiday, I am from Peru and I love your comedy. I wish I could say Peru loves you, but I haven't met many people who have heard of you. I think you should come and perform here. Well, what the fuck? <laughs> to who? If you, I'm to you? Why don't you just have a birthday party and I'll fly down there, take me to a soccer game, and I'll do stand-up, and I'll bomb in front of all your relatives um, as they stare at me and my lack of pigment. Anyways, nobody knows me down there, but for some reason I should go there and perform. He says, but I don't know how many people would understand your humor. He said, he said a gold-digging whore would be a good thing here because it would mean she gave out sex and also what's so bad about a girl who digs, digs for gold? That's better, that's better than a girl that doesn't. You know, I forgot you guys actually have mines down there and that's actually a job, you know, for an individual rather than a giant machine. Uh, anyways, he says, that's what people here would think. Don't feel bad, though. Because I think the mo most people here don't know who Bill Cosby is. Listen, if I somehow could get through Rosetta Stone Spanish and uh, learn how to speak your language, if you think I wouldn't come down to Peru, I'd actually would read up. I mean, do you guys hate us down there too? <laughs> I really don't feel like getting kidnapped by some sort of rebel group. And I hate to admit it, but to me, that's what a lot of South America is because that's what I see. I see all the, you know, Killing Pablo. I read that book. I probably <laughs> I probably haven't read a lot of good things about South America. Yeah. <clears throat> it's cocaine cowboys. It's uh, Nazi war criminals. It's um, the most perfect asses in the world in Brazil. And uh, I don't know. I don't know what else it is. It's the Galapagos Islands. That's arrested abroad. It's the hand of God. Soccer move by that fucking guy. 
was it Vince Ferragamo? <laughs> I don't know a lot about down there. I'd love to go, though. You know, if I could go down there and you could guarantee that I wouldn't get kidnapped, I wouldn't get stabbed because of some horrific shit that we do in our foreign policy down there, I would definitely go down there. I've been to Costa Rica. That's the closest I ever got to uh, to South America. But um, that is on my bucket list at some point. I want to go to all the continents other than uh, Antarctica. I don't. I have no reason to fucking go there. All right. Anyways, let me know. You guys open an English-speaking comedy club down there. I'll I'll fly down there. That's a promise. All right. From Dublin. All right, there, Billy Red Boy. Uh, big fan. Blah blah blah. I only recently found out about your podcast and have been listening to them instead of the depressing shit that's played on our radio station. Dude, the difference in work, my work days from listening to your comedy and laughing my ass off in the car is immense. The urge to punch some of my managers I have to deal with on a daily basis has turned from a vain popper to just saying, go fuck yourself in my head and laughing in their faces. So thank you for that and keep it up. Can't wait for the Dublin gig. I've got tickets and I'm going to bring a date. So it's going to be a great night. Thanks for penciling us in on your tour. I'll buy you a pint in Vicker Street. Go fuck yourself. All right. That was just sort of a love letter. There's really no advice there. Uh, well, now that you brought it up, I got to do my, I got to give you my dates here for the big European tour. When I fall off the wagon. Oh, I'm going to fall off hard when I'm over there. I already got some drinking buddies in England that I met the last time I was over there. And another friend that's coming down from uh, Scotland. So right there, you know how that's going to go down. Uh, where the hell are we? Shows. Bang. Right there. Uh, the first one. December 4th, Glasgow, Scotland. December 5th, I'm in Amsterdam. December 7th, I'm at the Forum in London for three shows. Oh, wait. I'm sorry. December 8th, I'm in also at the Forum in London. So one of those nights, I'm doing two shows, three total. December 9th, I'm at Vicker Street, uh, Dublin, Ireland. December 10th, I'm at the Savoy Theater in Helsinki, Finland. Two shows. December 11th, I'm at the Bremen Theater in uh, Copenhagen, Denmark. On December 12th, I can't even read the name, in Oslo, Norway. The the Folky T. Tetteret. Folky Tetteret. I don't know what the fuck that is. I'm at the Circus in Stockholm, Sweden on December 13th. And on December 15th, I'm at the Silverberg Hall in Reykjavik, Reykjavik, however you say it, Iceland. There you go. And I'm going to be boozing it up, flying solo. I usually travel with the lovely Nia, but... uh. She's done that run with me a number of times. She's a trooper. I mean, you can see that's just like a, uh, that is definitely a thrash. But um, she's coming with me to Italy. We're going to have a good time over there. And then I'm flying off and she's going to stay in Italy with some friends. His daddy goes out and makes some fucking money. All right. That's how it works. Um, all right. Let's get back to do the final uh, advertising reads here. All right. Legal Zoom, everyone. Legal Zoom. There are two reasons why now is the perfect time to start your business. Reason number one, the economy is picking up, and the longer you wait, the longer you delay your potential success. Reason two, right now you can incorporate your business or form an LLC at LegalZoom.com for just $99. 
LegalZoom's online process guides you step-by-step, and you can get total customer support. They couldn't make it much easier. LegalZoom provides self-help services at your specific direction and can connect you to an attorney, but they are not a law firm, so save a pile of money. Oh, so you save a pile of money. Get an extra discount when you enter Burr, B-U-R-R, in the referral box at checkout. Don't wait on the sidelines while others are taking charge of their futures. Now is the best time to get in the game and launch your business. Don't put this off. For incorporation, trademarks, patents, and more, just go to LegalZoom.com right now. Discount code BURR. That's LegalZoom.com. Discount code BURR. Stamps.com, everyone, the classic. Here we go. Stamps.com. Think about how many hours you've had to waste. Think about how many hours you've had to waste going to the post office for business, for your business. Driving there, parking, waiting for the next available clerk. There's nothing I can do to get those hours back for you. But I can save you time moving forward with Stamps.com. Stamps.com brings all the services of the U.S. Postal Service right to your desk 24-7. Buy and print official U.S. postage using your own computer and printer. Stamps.com will send you a digital scale, and it instantly calculates the exact postage for any letter or package, any class of mail. There's no guesswork. It's easy. Then just hand your mail to the mailman, and you'll never waste time at the post office ever again. I use Stamps.com to send out all my DVDs, my posters, whatever the hell it is I'm trying to get to the thing, the gig or whatever. If I can use it, if a moron like me can figure it out, then God knows you can too. Right now, use my last name, Burr, for this special offer, no risk trial, plus a $110 bonus offer that includes digital scale and up to $55 free postage. Don't wait. Go to stamps.com before you do anything else. Click on the microphone at the top of the page uh, of the homepage and type in Burr, B-U-R-R, that's stamps.com, enter Burr. And finally, Vistaprint. What is Vistaprint, you ask yourself? Well, it's a business card that says a lot about you and your business. Um, What? This copy makes no sense. Let me start over again. I'm just going to read it the way they wrote it. Take two. (laughs) Vistaprint. A business card says a lot about you and your business. Are you a hardworking landscaper, a hip and funky salon owner, a loyal dog walker? No matter what you are or what kind of business you have, Vistaprint.com has thousands of designs to just say what you want. And today, we just got word of a great offer on their business cards. Get 250 of their premium cards for only $10. Um, the shipping is, is on them, too. Good Lord. 10 bucks for 250 business cards. Christ, they're giving it away. I created my cards the other No, I didn't. Stop putting words in my mouth. I didn't create any cards, but I'm going to because it's only $250 a month. It's a great li- it's a great deal. I don't need to lie. Vista Prince has so many designs to choose from that you that you're bound to find that you're bound to find one of these that says just what you want. Um, once you find the card you like, design the process itself. It's easy and it's fun. Add text, photos, or logos. And you can change colors, fonts, and move things around. So again, that's 250 high-quality business premium cards with shipping included for only 10 bucks. Go to www.vistaprint.com. Click on the Heard of Us on Radio TV button in the upper right-hand corner and put in the promotional code BIRD. BIRD, good Lord. As you check out... 
Make sure you take a look at the other marketing products they offer, like postcards, flyers, brochures, and websites. They can even match your business card. Get 250 premium business cards for only 10 bucks, including the shipping. Just go to www.vistaprint.com. Click on the... <laughs> Click on the Heard of Us. I give up. Click on the Heard of Us TV radio button in the upper right-hand corner and put in the promotional code Burr. You know what? I'm going to hire somebody to read these things for me. All right? Somebody with a nice, sexy fucking voice. And I'll, I'll, be, I'll be equal opportunity. Male, female, straight, gay. We, we got to do something about these reads. Okay? I can't read them. And now they're trying to do this, this phony, put in a personal touch like, I'm using all of these products, okay? I, I believe in all of these products, but I don't use all of them, all right? I'm only one man. I can't use everything out there. All right, here we go. Let's get back to the reads for this week. What are we up to? 53 excruciating minutes. Military origin story. Billy Boy. I am a military vet and wanted to share a story with you seeing as you like military history. I'm by no means an expert, and this is probably all bullshit, but this is how the legend goes. I love our, I already love how this story starts. Um, your whole setup of this is what 99% of the shit that comes out of my mouth can be defined as. I'm no expert, and this is probably bullshit, but this is my opinion because I overheard this from somebody in a mall. Uh, back in Vietnam... There was a guy named Colonel Robin Olds who was, who was commander of a fighter squadron. He was a triple ace. I don't know what that means. Does that mean he killed three people or fought in three wars or had three different ways of killing you in the air? I have no idea. But he was a triple ace. I'm going to use that next time I'm drinking in a bar. Some woman gives me shit. I'll be I'll have you know I'm a triple ace. What does that mean? You figure it out. Uh, he was a triple ace and fought in World War II and would later retire as a general. Good Lord. Any one of those things is beyond anything I've accomplished in my entire life. Uh, Olds grew a mustache while overseas in defiance of the Air Force regulations. All right, he's a Red Sox. You hear that, Verzi? And he's a triple ace. We are the champions. Olds grew a mustache while overseas in defiance of the Air Force regulations um, and command and commit and commanded his men to grow one, too, on the basis that it makes you bulletproof. One of his men refused to do so because he, he felt it looked retarded and got shot down. He was recovered and grew a mustache and wasn't shot down again. Before this, is this why all these studly guys throughout the years would always have fucking mustaches before hipsters ruined them? Uh, before, before this guy went home, he shaved his mustache and got shot down a second time. It is now a tradition for flyers to grow mustaches overseas. It's such a superstition that schedulers will make sure at least one on the crew has a mustache and avoid making... Uh, has a mustache and avoid oh and they, and they avoid making all female crews. Well, what about Tom Cruise? He didn't have a mustache, but Goose did. And Goose did. And he got hit by the canopy. Well, that's Hollywood. That's not real war. All right, this grew into the tradition of mustache march in the Air Force, where everyone, regardless of whether they fly or not, grows mustaches. 
This, in turn, evolved into Movember, where men grow mustaches, or No Shave November, where men grow beers to raise awareness for prostate cancer and other male cancer and associated charities during the month of November. So go grow a mustache, you pasty, freckled fuck. <laughs> Thanks for the free laughs. Um, I, well, look, I, I'm aware of prostate cancer, all right? I guess I should grow one so I never get it. I've grown mustaches in the, in the, I don't know. I'm a contrarian. I can never go the fucking way. That's actually a really in- interesting story. I hope even 8% of that was true. By the way, who was this guy who got shot down? That's where it all falls apart. And then the one, there was a guy. It's, that's that's how most of the urban myths start. But I like it. Great story. And I stand by your complete lack of research because that's everything that I do. All right, from Finland. We're going around, uh, going around Europe here. From Finland. Hi, uh, hello there, William F. Burr. I'm a 22-year-old guy from fin- Finland And I've waited a long time for you to do a show here. So I'm very excited to hear you're coming to Helsinki in December. Unfortunately, because of my studies, I'm doing a practical practical training in Africa for three months. So I'm going to miss the show. I hope I will one day have the money to come see your show in the U.S. So I'm going to Ghana in a group of four students. And I'm the only guy in the group. I'll be in the same house and going to the same workplace with these three ladies for three months. We all know each other quite well, but I'm mostly used to hanging with guys. So if you can give me some advice or tips on how to mentally prepare for these three months, it would be greatly appreciated. Are there some topics or actions I should make sure to avoid? Thanks and go fuck yourself. P.S. Love the podcast. Uh, and all that other stuff. I hope to see you more in TV. Ah, that's very nice of you. What a nice email. Um, are there some topics? Listen, dude, the amount of things I've fucked up with women, all I can tell you is what not to do. Um, all right, this is what I would do if I was you. The first thing you got to do is if you're a type A male on any level, you got to tone that shit down. As, oh, if you're angry. All anger does is scare women, okay, or makes them not want to be around you, or it makes women who have daddy issues, a, 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 you know, it's like a moth to a fucking light, except the moth reaches in, grabs your heart, pulls it out of your chest, and throws it down the stairs. Um, if you're going to live with these three women, all right, this is what you could do. All right, are you trying to fuck these women, or are you just trying to... Get along with them. All right. First things first. Uh, make sure you're really neat. Granted, you know, women in the bathroom are some of the messiest fuckers on the planet. But uh, I would do that. I would come with slumber party energy and just fucking give in to their fucking conversations. Okay. And that's right there is where you establish cred- credibility. You're not angry. You keep your part of the bathroom clean and you come with, oh, my God, you guys, you, you fucking give into that fucking energy. Late at night when they want to snack and they're fucking jam jams, you join them. All right. And you never try to fuck any of them. Then what you do is you talk to them about how you're having problems meeting women in Ghana 
and you need advice. And then they'll become a fucking wingman for you. And you'll be crushing fucking Ghananese fucking ass, whatever the hell you want to call it, right and left when you're out there. And they'll actually help you do it. That's that's That would be my game plan. But the last thing you should do is try to hook up with any one of them, unless it's the last weekend. And the last weekend comes around, all bets are off, you get in there and you fuck them all. <laughs> Somewhere in there is probably some information that you could use. If anybody has any suggestions on what this guy should be doing, my, my, uh, my trip isn't until December. If anybody else has studied abroad with three broads, and has better advice, um, for the love of God, let me know. And I'll pass it on to this this, uh, this, uh, this, this, this fine young gentleman. All right, documentaries. Uh, just a bill on Capitol Hill. Ah, one of my favorites. I know a lot of you guys are too old to remember Schoolhouse Rock. Do you remember that? I'm just a bill. Yes, I'm only a bill. And I'm sitting here on Capitol Hill. Well, it Sorry, that was way too long. Pray that I will, but today I'm still just a bill. Um, hey, your top schoolhouse rocks. Uh, three is a magic number. Conjunction, junction. Verb, that's what's happening. I'm just a bill's a great one. Number nine is a great one. Oh, my God. I'm going to have to fucking upload that shit. I have that on CD box set somewhere. Ah, Jesus. Under some championship hat. <laughs> Rubbing it in. All right. I've got two documentaries for you, you red-faced, um, to lock onto. All right, first up, Blackfish. This is about killer whales in SeaWorld. Basically, it starts from the time they got a killer whale into, cap into captivity. Uh, I really apologize for my reading out loud. This is like the worst I've ever done. Um, anyways, he says, this is about, basically, it starts from the first time they got a killer whale into cap captivity at SeaWorld. They separate it from its mother at the age of two. Males remain with their mothers their whole lives, so the separation is very traumatic. They are kept in tanks, too small, and fed very little. The whole thing is mind-blowing. It aired on CNN, and I recommend it to everyone. You won't believe the stuff that comes out of the SeaWorld employees' mouths. Oh. Though I, I might just take your, uh, your word on that. I, I can't handle watching people do stuff. Uh, animals and kids and uh, and then the next level right like the level of rage because that's about as innocent as it gets and then the next level of rage above that is, is someone you know beating the shit out of their girlfriend or their wife or anything like I can't handle watching that stuff like they made that thing what was it the cove where they just drive all those dolphins into that little area and then they just bludgeon them to death like just tell me where I need to donate money. I, I really can't watch. Like last night, this is my second time doing that pit bull thing. And one of the pit, the woman who organizes it has a, 
has a pit bull herself and it has a scar on its back because some douchebag dumped battery acid on the thing. And uh, I showed up late to it this year hoping I avoided the story because I, I knew that someone was going to ask. And I showed up and someone asked and I had to listen to it again. And I just fucking – I swear to God, I could literally kill somebody. Well, I don't know if I could do that, but I could do some horrific blowtorch shit to them. Um, so I'll watch as much as that as I can. If it's on Netflix, I'll try and pull it up. Uh, second, Dirty Wars. This follows a lone journalist who tracks the origins of a drone strike from Afghanistan to Yemen. It's streaming on Netflix. Oh, I'll watch this. Those drones fascinate the shit out of me. Uh, If this aired on network television, there would be riots in the streets over what our military is doing in the name of the U.S. All right, but I'm also going to watch it knowing that this is, I mean, is this... Is this a documentary or is this like one of those Michael Moore documentaries where it's really an op-ed piece? Um, I'll watch it. I'll watch it. Fuck it. Uh, Dirty Dirty Wars correlates with the news coming out about Obama claiming to be good at killing people to his aides. Here's an article from uh, Yahoo. I'll give you guys this link. Um, I'm not co-signing on any of this shit until I see it. Jesus, man. Do you have a happy one in there? Is there one about an old lady making her old her own jam and uh, beating out the corporations? <laughs> you got to give me a little. You got to give me a ray of sun. I appreciate all of that stuff. I'm gonna might have to watch Dirty Wars. I'm gonna. I, I know I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna watch both of those. Fuck it. Jesus Christ. Hey, how about now that he's giving me two? That's going to make me lose f- even more faith in humanity. And uh, and I'm not saying I'm better than these people. I'm a complete piece of shit myself. But uh, can, can, I get, can I get a good one in there? Uh, does anybody have a documentary on Iceland standing up to the bankers that I could watch? Because that one fascinates me. Um, and how that wasn't covered that much here in the States. I would love to see that one. Um All right, so here's the wrap-up, everybody. Now that the show is over, don't forget to sign up for your free trial of Hulu Plus. Hulu Plus lets you binge on thousands of hit shows anytime, anywhere, on your TV, PC, smartphone, or tablet. Uh, And that's it for the podcast this week. Um, I had just an awesome week. I know I was just bandwagon, but it's really, you know, exciting after all those years of watching the Red Sox suck to actually watch them now consistently be this winning franchise and be able to turn stuff around. And I know they spend more money than God, uh, but it is cool. And um, I don't know. I I hope it happens to your city. I hope you guys go on a run, especially Cleveland, Kansas city, um, all of those, you know, I'm, I don't, I am all, I'm only a hater of, uh, you know, the Yankees, the Canadians and the Lakers. And even then I respect all of those teams as much as I give them shit. I definitely respect them, but uh, I don't even hate the giants. I actually love the giants and I'm hoping that they, uh, I don't know. I, I, I just, I don't, I don't have that thing in football where I have like a team. That's the Yankees. I mean, I love that the jets beat the saints this week because that means that, uh, Old foot fetish, foot fetish guy down there. I'm forgetting his fucking name. Rex Ryan. He has a chance of keeping his job. You know? 
I don't want him on ESPN analyzing football games. I want him to, as a Patriots fan, I want him right where he is, head coach of the New York Jets. <laughs> All right, that is the podcast for this week. Congratulations to the 2013 Red Sox. I wish I watched all throughout the year, but I didn't. I'm just a bandwagon guy, and I'm going to wear the Red Sox championship hat, and I'm going to laugh when you guys give me shit because I am bandwagon. However, I am diehard Bruins, Patriots, and I'm actually going to get the NBA channel because uh, package because because the Celtics are rebuilding, and um, I want to I want to see if they can do it again. If they can rise from the ashes and buy some more free agents and see what happens. But um, I actually you know went to that Clippers Warriors game and I had a great time. And the Warriors look like a really exciting team as do, do the Clippers. So, eh, fuck it. What am I going to do? Fuck up the ravioli again this week? I'll watch some hoop. All right, that's it. Hey, by the way, uh, I'm going to be at the Rangers-Penguins game. All right? Stone sober. Madison Square Garden this week. Uh, Should be a great game. All right? If you're not watching hockey, you're missing out. Go fuck yourselves. I'll talk to you next week.